This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Didn't get your picks in before the game started? No problem. You can get in the game for the second half. Sign up today using promo code FOOTBALL and get your first deposit instantly matched up to $100. Go to pricepicks.com or download the mobile app and enter code FOOTBALL to get your deposit match. Some restrictions do apply. See the website for details. Welcome back to the channel. Hope you're all keeping safe and well. So I've just got in from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where, of course, Tottenham have just lost 2-0 at home to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Uh, goals from Jimenez and Don, uh, Don, Donka. Uh, Spurs, <laughs> then Donka, great start, then Donka, Chris. Uh, Spurs are now down to eighth in the Premier League. That is now three straight league defeats after the visitors' walls were gifted two goals in the opening 20 minutes by the Spurs' defence and Hugo Lloris. Of course, we all expected... Uh, a reaction, particularly after Wednesday night's game, uh, the loss against Southampton. Uh, but I've got three very special guests to uh, talk through today's game. Uh, first of all, we've got Dean Austin, of course, played for Spurs between 1992 and 1997, 124 Premier League appearances. Dean, how are you today? Really well, mate. How are you? Very good. Very good. We've yeah. also got Ramon Vega, uh, of course, former Spurs defender. Uh, signed for Spurs in 1997 until 2000, 64 Premier League appearances and, of course, League Cup winner in 1999. Ramon, how are you? Hello, guys, again. How are you doing tonight? Yep, could be better. And we've also <laughs> got um, actor Ricky Norwood, uh, former EastEnders actor and, of course, uh, Princess Switch. <laughs> Ricky, how are you? You know what? I was fuming before I came on here, but the boys have just already, in the first five minutes, have cheered me up. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it, brother. Let's get into it. Terrible, terrible game, but let's get into it. Dean, Cheers, let's Ricky. come to you. Dean, let's come to you first. Um, your your thoughts on today's game? Um, well, obviously, it's disappointing. I, I've got to say, uh, um, Chris, obviously, we've... we've Hit a little bit of a road hump, as I call it, and um, you know we've 
we've lost two, three games in a row now. But I, I kind of today, I just I thought we looked a bit fearful. I thought we looked we looked a little, a little bit of fright, a little bit frightened. I thought there was a bit of negativity around the stadium, um, and I actually don't don't think it really helped the players today. To be honest with you, and I think that um, you know we had this unbelievable stadium. Um, we've got an unbelievable manager. And I think that we've got some very good players and some world-class players. And I think that, you know, we need to, as supporters, now give these players a bit of help and get behind them. I think, yeah, I understand that they've also got to bring their bit to the table um, as well. But I think that... Um, I, I, ju- I just felt it was a little bit negative today, Chris, to be honest with you. Obviously, we lost two goals early on. and um, But I, I just felt there was a little bit of negativity around the stadium today. And I don't think it helped us. Yeah, I'm going to come back to you on that point, Dean, um, about the booing, because I said on Wednesday, I don't think I've ever known so much booing, um, you know, watching Spurs. In all in all the time of watching Spurs, I've never known so much booing than this season. Um, Ramon, right, let's come Chris, to you. I obviously, Chris, you obviously wasn't there when me and Ramon were, were playing together in the back four. <laughs> of course I was. Of course I, was. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that, Chris, mate. This is part of the curriculum. Be tired when you play for Spurs. You need to be booed, you know. <laughs> I tell you that, mate. Well, our time we had even worse than what we had in White. So, listen, well, that's part of the furniture. Let's call it that. Ramon, what did you make of today's game? Absolutely disaster. There's not even a there's even a question mark. It's an absolutely disaster in terms of all terms of tactical side point of view, the players' attitude, the defending. A shamble uh, between the defence and and the midfield. There was no connection whatsoever. The room, what what Wolverhampton had, it was just too much. You know, there was no really pressure on the ball, uh, and it's just silly mistakes between. So all in all, this is like a domino effect from one to another. It was it was a disaster. And and coming back from a midway game where the loss against Southampton also very badly. I'm not sure, guys. I'm really not sure what I'm seeing in this team. Um, uh, I had better hope beforehand uh, when we had a good run with Conte, but I think that was pretty much the honeymoon side of it, you know. Um, that it's over. Uh, now Conte needs to show that he's a top manager, even he has the players he has to play with. And I think that's key. That's what I want to see now. It's easy to say we need to buy X, Y, Z players, but that's not... Uh, Let's call it the main uh, issue here. It's much more deeper. I think now he just has to work with the play he has and make the best out of it. Ricky, same question to you. What did you make of today's game? Uh, well, it was it was shambolic. It was embarrassing. Um, it, it was it, it was terrible from front to back. Do you know what I mean? Um, especially after the Saints result. You would expect a, a bounce. You would expect um, a response. You would expect them to kind of, you know, especially in the first five to ten minutes, show us, the crowd, and show the fans and show everyone that, all right, you know, Southampton was a blip. Let's go again. Um, it's really disappointing, even more so, even more so for someone who's positive like me that will find a silver lining, that will see where we're going, even in a loss sometimes. But, you know, what's even more disappointing is that we've had that winter break 
And then we come into, we, we, we play uh, Brighton. And straight away, the, the first five, 10 minutes, it was front foot. They were on it. They were quick. Uh, you know, I'm starting to think that, all right, not only are we seeing a response from these boys under Conte, but it's starting to click. And, you know, to see the Saints game, I was there, I was there uh, at the game that day. And to see the Saints game and then to see that today, it just, it sent me down, mate. It sent me down. I was fuming. I was fuming. I was, I, I lost it. I lost, I was red, mate. Do you know what I mean? And it was to see that performance today. I just don't know what's going on. It, it's become a trait, Chris. It's become a trait. You know, when we have good performances or when we have good runs, those are the anomalies. Those are the, you know, those are those are the things that are out of the ordinary. The bad performances and the flat performances seem like that's what the ordinary is right now for Tottenham, um, which it, it depresses me. It hurts me, you know. Um, it was tough. It was tough to watch today. I'm sure we'll break down individual performances and tactics and all that, but it, it was a tough watch today. Seriously, it's only since I, I, I was on with the boys five minutes before we started that I started giggling. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, hopefully we can bring some smiles to all those watching at home. Ricky, what do you make of this comment on screen? Dean Austin oh. for, in for Emerson Royale and Ramon Vega in for Sanchez. <laughs> oh, I'd have that, bruv. I would have that. I would have that. Yes, please. Yes, Rick. Who's that? Jason. Yes, please. Jason Whale, you are the man, bruv. Put them Boys, can you do some stretches? Can you uh, get to training tomorrow? Do you know what I mean? Bright and early. You ready for a double session? Do you know what I mean? Know. Get in there. Back to because... back. Back to back, you know? <laughs> because we need it, man. It's, we need it's it. Funny, so it's funny, actually. It's funny, actually. I was... Uh, I'm still quite heavily into my fitness so I'm I like I, I work out four 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 or five times a week. I'm the same weight now that I was when I played my last game in two thousand and three. Wow. However, I don't have a left knee. Oh mate. It's all right. Most of our defenders ain't, ain't got any knees. <laughs> mate, Ricky, don't ask me how fit I am mate. I'm telling you that now. <laughs> I was just about to how fit are you Ramon? I can barely lift the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Leave alone running around at the pitch, mate. I'm telling you that now. <laughs> oh. oh, mate. I would love to, mate. I'll tell you that. Absolutely not. I think the mind, uh, and I think they will be with that. The mind will be definitely there. Um, but the physique, there's not even a chance, mate. I think within five minutes, we'll be... Taxi! <laughs> we'll be gone, mate. <laughs> Dean, let's come back to you. On a serious note, um, Neil writes on screen now, how have these performances crept back? Um, you know, a lot of fans were angry. And as we spoke earlier about the uh, the booing, um, you know, under Nuno Espirito Santo, under Antonio Conte now, particularly how Antonio Conte started as Tottenham Hotspur boss, I know we've lost the last three Premier League games, but what is the problem? For you, what is the problem? Listen, mate, I think that um, there's there's better managers than me that have been at our club that have tried to work it out and, and haven't been able to get to the bottom of it. Um, obviously, you know, Maurizio left the year after the Champions League. Jose come in. Jose couldn't, Jose couldn't stop it. Nuno come in, you know, got a few results to start off with. He couldn't stop it. You know, I think that... 
you know, from from a point of view um, of Antonio, we've got a world class manager, and I think um, I believe that the club has got to do whatever it's got to do to keep him happy. Um, and and because I, I thought today at the end, you know, he looks he looked low. I mean, the guy's obviously a winner. He, you know, he's a winner. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I think that, you know, he's had one window, a couple of players have got, gone out, a couple of players have come in. Those players are, are come, have come in and now sort of been thrust into it a little bit. That's not easy, coming from a different country. Um, you know, Spurs is not an easy club to play for. And I, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. But the expectation is always there. I'm sure Ramon will, will agree, even from the time that we were there, the expectation of playing for Tottenham Hotspur is is huge. And, you know, I've seen world-class players come in to Tottenham, even from the time that I was there, and, and struggle, and struggle to be able to deal with the expectation. That expectation now, I think, is has gone, has gone again, I think, after... You know, Maurizio getting us in the Champions League for sort of four or five seasons in a row and then getting to the Champions League final where everyone's thinking that we're going to, that we're, we're there and we're, and we're, and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be competing again. And obviously it's not, it's not gone according to plan. Um, I, I think that there are certain things that I look and there's certain signings that I've looked at and I, I kind of don't. I don't really kind of understand it. If, if the facts, if those are the facts of the signings that we've made, I kind of don't get why we've done some of the things that we've done. Um, however, you know, we have a fantastic football club. Um, and I think that, you know, we, although that there is an expectation and, you know, you put on the shirt, the hardest thing I think ever from a footballer, uh, for a footballer to take, is that if he's being booed because people think that he's not he's not giving his best, and I don't think that our players are not giving their best. I think that we've lost a couple of games, a few results, and then the fans have come for him a little bit, and I, and it doesn't it, honestly it doesn't help you. I mean, I I mean, in all seriousness, I I I, I suffered seriously uh, at Spurs probably in ninety five ninety six had horrific injuries and was probably playing when I shouldn't be playing. And that was my choice. And I do not regret that, Chris. I'm not, I'm not crying about it. Yeah. But as a footballer, and I'm sure that Ramon will back me up on this, that, you know, they are only human beings, by the way. And it is not particularly nice when you are a professional sportsman and you are trying your best and to quite frankly have your ass ripped out of you and being booed every time you touch the ball because the game's not going is not going the way that you want it to go. Um, but on the other side is that it then becomes about resilience and about character. And what we need to see probably from some of our players at the minute is the character and the resilience to kick on because there's no magic wand here. You know, we've got some good players, but they've got to fight their way out of it because that's what happens when you're losing games of football. So sometimes when you're losing games of football, you're not doing everything wrong. And even when you're winning, you're not doing everything right. You've got to stay level with it. 
but I, you know, there's no, you know, I'd be interested to see what the, um, you know, what the stats are as in regards to the, the physical stats. Because when Antonio, I think the last time I came on, Chris, I think Antonio had about three games. And their stats, their running stats have gone from the lowest in the division to the highest inside three or four games. Yeah. And I'll be interested to see where that's plateaued off at now. Um, but it's, you know, it's, you know, football's like a roller coaster ride. It is, it, even when you're a player, it's like a roller coaster ride and, you, and you're riding it all the time. You're riding up and down. Um, but you've got to, um, the players now have got to, have got to dig in and, and, and they've got to, and they've got to find some resilience. Um, and they've got to start fighting fighting their way out of trouble. Ramon, let's come to you. Do you think that the Tottenham Hotspur fans expect uh, too much of some of these players in? Well, they always do that. It's always been like that. Even in my time, as Dina was saying, you know, the expectation when you come to Tottenham Hotspurs is, is always huge. And for a player's point of view, it's even bigger because um, you, you can hear your... Town, it's a big city like London, World City, as such. You can hear the fans when you go out. The the I the Spurs for most, to be honest with you, when I go out, um, and you can see the expectation of them to, to to win something with this club. But the reality is completely the opposite, and that's that's the gap between that kind of fantasy side and and reality check, you know, and. To cope this as a player point of view, it's always very, very difficult. But from a fan point of view, of course, they always want to have a winning team to support. But the reality is not like that at the moment. It's been not been for a long time now. You know, it's quite embarrassing. Actually, my, my League Cup or within a, at the time, 99, is kind of valuable uh, a cup now after 20 years. And it's embarrassing, actually, to even to talk about it, to be honest with you. You know, um, the reality, the Tottenham <clears throat> is not a massive club. That's the truth. It's not a massive club. It's just a local North London club. Simple as that. Uh, yes, we got world-class stadium. We got, I would say, world-class supporters as well because they're suffering week in, week out and without anything uh, to, let's call it, to be glorified because they're winning anything. So you tell me uh, how difficult it is. And, and as Dina was saying, from a, from a player's point of view, being booed, on the pitch, and we had it many, many times. You know, every time you get the ball and you get booed the whole stadium, it's 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 a very difficult moment for the player point of view. It's it's kind of uh, kind of depressing in a way because you go into the half time and you're like, what the hell is going on? Why should I go out with these guys? Kind of scenario. You start to think like that as a player, you know. But at the same time, it does get you out the character as a player and saying, you know what? In my case, I want to show these guys. They're wrong. And I showed them wrong. And uh, that's my motivation was going out uh, at White Hart Line at the time when, when they were doing booing and all this stuff. And lucky enough, we, we won a, a League Cup as well. So pretty much I give them all the suffering. I, got, I give them something back as well. But as Dino say, it's, it's a very, very difficult scenario for a player's point of view in boot, you know. But that's part of the game. Any player has to accept this as well. Listen, guys. Uh, the wages what we had compared to now, and Dino can say that, is a completely different uh, level. And you have to accept 
them in 50 or 60,000 booing were paying a hell of a lot of money to watch us. And you are on 250 grand a week. I'll tell you what, a little bit booing for 90 minutes is not much to, to bear, to be honest with you. I think what they want, they want from you at least, at least get some attitude. Even if you have a yellow card or red card, anything, anything on the pitch that you show that you're actually willing to fight for that shirt. And that's part is what I'm missing with this group. It's just only the glory. We'd be talked about it when it goes bad. Nobody comes out really like saying, today, even I will be frustrated today the way the game was going on as a team member. I will go for a yellow record, anything, a reaction. And I think the Spurs fan would pretty much appreciate if a guy even gets a red card, even the silly point of view, you know, but they would appreciate the guy at least got his heart towards the shirt. And I don't see that. I, could some, I, I see some spoiled brats on the pitch at the moment. Ricky, do you agree with that? It's hard, it's hard not to. It's hard not to, bro. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's tough because I love my team. I love my team. Do you know what I mean? Win, lose or draw, I, I, you know, I, I love them to bits. And it, it's part of the reason why I, I had such an affinity and such an affection for Poch. It's because, you know, with all our kind of financial restraints and, you know, us not buying the big players or whatever like that, you know, Poch not only got, levels above you know the performances from the players that he had he also kind of really had a love for us and he was up for that fight and he he really did give us a sustained period of of pride and joy and you know like like you say like what was it four years on the bounce that we that i'm still celebrating you know some teams are in there every year 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 in year out you know man city still haven't won it do you know what i mean but he kind of, he kind of just kind of really did raise the bar. And every time that we've had so many full storms as, as Tottenham fans, do you know what I mean? We know about lasagna gate. We know about being one point behind them lot down the road. We know about like, if, if we only win this one game, then we go in this place and we can do this and we can do that. And we don't win the game. Do you know what I mean? Every time we have a, an opportunity, it, it, especially in the past, there was like, there was, we never could cross the hurdle, you know, we never could cross the bridge or jump the hurdle, I should say. And Poch kind of, he, he, he put everything to shame. Do you know what I mean? He broke all the records. Every time that we didn't win at a place, he was the one that won there, you know, uh, winning away from home, you know, having a home record where we didn't lose a game and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he kind of done all this. So he rose the bar and, you know, it was like this, the all the going through all the years of pain. Th this was the time, and now it's going to push on, and now we're going to do this and do that. And you know, I never wanted him to leave, but okay, he left, and we started. We tried to go forward, and it's been a downward slide ever since. Even towards the end of his time, there was you know a downward slide at that point. But I know the boys were heartbroken after that Champions League final, and it it took a lot of a lot for them to get back up. I know that a lot of a lot of players wanted to leave after that. We we all know about the painful rebuild, you know? So um, it, it's been a tough couple of seasons. It's been a real tough, tough couple of seasons. And it, it's got to the point where I was calling them Titanic FC, weren't I? Do you know what I mean? And when, when uh, it's true, but it's like when Conte came in, he's, he's 
he kind of just like we all believed in him. He united the fans, and we got this. We got a bounce from Tottenham, and we went on this little run. And it's like, look, we're not playing great, but we're getting results. And you can see that they're running, and you can see that they they want it, and you can see, you know, the passion from the players as well, or at least the majority of them that were on the field at the time. So it's like, you're like, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Like, we're back. Let's do it. And and to kind of come back and play so well against Brighton, you know, like I say, from start to finish, and then to have the result against the Saints and then Wolves today, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough, bro. It's become a trait. This has become a trait. It's like, how many times have we got a player that is, you know, dynamite in another club, comes to Tottenham and doesn't show up? It's tough. And then, you know, look at Ndombele and Lacelso. They go on loan in their first game. You know, they, 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 they've played well and they've affected the teams that they're playing for. So it's even more gutting and depressing when we see that. And, and we're just at a low right now. I don't know what's going on, honestly. Dean, let's come to you. I just want to ask you your point on the uh, on the on the question on screen here. Uh, we pay the highest season ticket price in Europe, so we're entitled to show our anger. Now, of course, if everything was absolutely fine at Tottenham Hotspur, Antonio Conte wouldn't be at the club anyway. Nuno Espirito Santo would still be here. Um, surely, Antonio Conte has got to be given the time. And we all know as Spurs fans, this is going to be a painful rebuild. Everything is not going to be sorted in one January transfer window, is it? No. No, I mean, to be fair, you know, we, we've, um, the manager's just come from his last job. Obviously, he left Inter, where he just won, uh, won the league there. And, um, you know, the guy's a top, top manager. There's got to be, you, know, you can't, you know, have these, some of these guys, you know, obviously, Maurizio was done fantastic. Mourinho, you should probably are. I never thought he was a Tottenham manager for me. I thought, you know, obviously, Mr. Levy is sort of kind of banked on his record to bring a trophy. Um, Nuno was probably a strange, a strange uh, appointment. But you know, we've got a we've got a top top class manager now. Um, you know, I think that you know, in any process, if you if you're going to back this man through his processes, that you know, there's going to be some ups and downs within it. Um, and that's normal. You know, it's normal when you're trying to build a, rebuild a new team and a, and a culture. Um, you know, I, I will not disagree um, with what the guy said, that, you know, we've got the highest season ticket prices in in, in the Premier League, you know, and we're entitled to, um, we're entitled to show our, our anger. Okay, it's no problem. I have no problem with that. You know, people are entitled to their opinion. The point I'm trying to make is that people are only human, and is us is us getting out of our tr- trolley and booing them every time that we decide to recycle the ball and pass it back? Is that going to help us achieve what we want to achieve as a football club? And I'm just, I'm sorry, but I just don't think it will. I know everybody's entitled to their opinion. I understand that. But what I'm saying is, is that unless, you know, unless that we start coming together as one and and and, and, and backing people and backing the team and backing the club, um, I feel that it, it could be more painful. Because, 
you know, I see today, I, I, I see confidence just drain out of these players today. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ramon, let's come to you. Let's talk about the uh, the starting lineup uh, against Wolves today. Hugo Lloris in goal, Sanchez, Romero, and Davis at the back. Doherty and Sessegnon as wing backs. Uh, in midfield, Harry Winks and Rodrigo Bentancur, and then the forward three of Lucas Moura, Hunmin Son, and Harry Kane. Three changes today. When you saw that starting lineup, were you surprised? Uh, not really. After Southampton, I think uh, Bentancur. Coming into Southampton, you saw immediately in terms of his skills and vision and confidence he has in the ball, even on the very, very, very tight moments, you know, even I think around the 80 yards box within the Southampton game, you can see his skills. I know him from, from Juventus when he played there. Uh, what, 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 what kind of player he is, is no, no question mark. He's a very, very, very skillful, very talented player. Um, but even him... It's not Juventus Turin, it's Tottenham Hotspurs. He has different players to play with. He has to adjust with that in terms of the skills. Every time you come to a new club as a player, you've got used with all your teammates beforehand with a passing. You're blind, know exactly what his weaknesses, his strengths. And once you're coming into a new kind of team, you don't know it yet because obviously you're only about a week or two weeks into it or even a month, let's say that, you know. For him, I think to adjust to that kind of game, this team has uh, and his teammates, uh, it will take a while, but there's quality there within him. That's there's no doubt. Um, uh, I think Wings today was not there, to be honest. With you, I think um, his passing was uh, not not at all there. I think his concentration part and his focusing on the game was also not there. I don't know where he was with his mind. But he was not in the game. That really didn't help from Ben particular as such as his teammate to play with. And that kind of gave Ben a little bit of weakness because he needs to have a partner next to him. Um, the minute you have these two partnerships going apart, that immediately goes back to the defence. Because then the defence starts to struggle because then the whole it's a domino effect. Everything is linked together, you know. If, Partnership doesn't work together, and then suddenly everything just shumps together. And that's what I see today was suddenly this partnership didn't work out within around the pitch, not just in the midfield, but mainly I think the midfield was the struggle. Um, that completed this this kind of uh, disjunct the whole team, and uh, you can see it. He was a shamble in many ways, and defensively, of course, he was uh, uh, terrible. Ramon, comment on screen now. How is it that almost none of our players seem comfortable on the ball? Isn't that a basic skill for a professional player? Is is that a bit harsh in your opinion? Well, uh, you, you can see, you, you can see it from the stand. He's maybe not comfortable, but you know you don't see him every day on the training. He may maybe some players and you can see that when when you're on on a training session, you can see a number of skills. And somebody comes up to the game on Saturday, the guy is not there. Either has a panic attack or he's not up to to the crowd, and and all his skills starts to go away because too many things happening within. And in a training session, it's different. So, yes, of course, it's basic there, and and the, there's no question mark. There's talent within these players, the, you know. Because if you start to questioning that, you start to questioning the integrity of the coaching, uh, the integrity of the overall scouting, uh, the overall club, because. This is one point I want to say as well. You know, players that come in the Spurs or to any Premier League club, even they're playing bad for that club, they're not bad players. 
because you start to question the integrity of who actually chose them in the first place, you know, because they are good. And as Ricky says, some of the players are Spurs, they leave Spurs, and then suddenly they're back again where they used to be before they came to Spurs, you know. So it has something to do, and I know I'll come back to that, within the culture, within the club. When I joined Spurs, that from a player's point of view, you haven't got that kind of carrying side of it to your, your part of a team. Ricky, were you happy with uh, the starting eleven today? Of course, three changes. Doherty in for Emerson Royale, Sessegnon in for Regulon, and Benton Kurt in for Hoybier. Um, I, th I think he needed, to, I think Conte needed to make a change um, to freshen it up uh, and to try something new after um, the game against the Saints. I thought uh, Sessegnon was unlucky. I haven't really seen much of Sess and I don't know what, um, I, you know, he hasn't got a run of games so we can see the best of him as yet. So it was unlucky for him to be the one that came off uh, 25 minutes, 27 minutes. Um, I'm surprised that he played Winks instead of Hoiberg. Even though Hoiberg didn't play that great against the Saints, lost the ball a couple of times, um, he is the defensive one out of the two. Uh, so from all the reports that we've heard, especially in January about Bentenker, he would play in Winks's position and would need somebody who is a little bit more defensive-minded alongside of him. So I was surprised that he went for Bentenker and Winks. Um, and I, I mean, again, I don't, I don't know what Winks was doing today. Um, Winks is a bit like Tottenham, like I was saying there. Do you know what I mean? There's a... The, the bad performances from him almost have become normal. And if he has a good performance, that almost becomes the abnormal. That almost becomes the anomaly. Like, oh, wow, he's had a good game. Now, I, I want to praise all of our players when they play well. And I try and be fair to them in my critique when they, they don't do well. And, and today, I didn't know what Winks he done. Um, and then the front three, you can't really change, uh, you know, Sonny, he needs to get back to his rhythm. Um, he needs a couple, you know, he needs to get a couple of games under his belt just to, after the injury. Um, Lucas always gives his all, but, you know, some games he can be phenomenal. Other games he can go missing a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I was glad that he changed it up. But there's still so much work to be done. Doherty, oh my gosh, Doherty. You know, for me, he's only had five minutes, uh, 45 minutes of, of, of good football. And I think that was against, I think that was the Leicester game. Uh, the rest, I just don't. And the thing is, is that the commentator was saying, you know, the on, on the stream that I was watching, the commentator was saying, um, he should be ready-made for us and the system. He's played, he was dynamite for Wolves when he's playing for Wolves. And he played in that system. Um, but the gaps today and, you know, there was no unit in the defence and stuff like that. I mean, you know, it was just a sham all over the place. It's really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, taking on board what Dino was saying there about the confidence being stripped, stripped, uh, it, it, it looked like that. You know, it looked like, you know, after 20 minutes with two goals down and it was, it was panic stations. Um, it was tough. It was just such a tough punch in the gut for all of us to take today.
Dean, let's come to you. Comment on, on screen now from Simon. We go on an unbeaten run, lose to a top four team, i.e. Chelsea. Then the collapse happens. It's a rerun of last season when we lost to Liverpool. Um, now, Dean, I just wanted your thoughts. As a former right-back for Spurs, I want yeah. your thoughts on the whole wing-back system played by Antonio Conte. And in particular, let's talk about Emerson Royale and Matt Doherty. Um, because Emerson Royale, of course, was bought from Barcelona to come in to play in a back four uh, with uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. He's been, well, they're trying to convert him into a, a right wing back. He's had a lot of flack uh, over the last couple of months uh, by the Tottenham Hotspur fans. What do you make of the two right backs that we have at the moment? And uh, who is the best one for you? Um... I think they've both struggled. To be honest with you, Chris, I think, um, to be fair, I, I'd rather have Kyle Walker-Peters than either of those two. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, Dean, co coming back again, do, do we have the players for this system that Antonio Conte wants to play? Well, I prefer Royale. Look, well, obviously, Doherty was a wing-back at Wolves anyway, but he's a wing-back at Wolves. He's come to Tottenham and he's... Again, one of those players that, for me, plays plays with fear, doesn't look confident. Um, Royale, I think he's more of a wing-back than what he is a full-back, to be honest with you, because I don't, I don't think he can defend 1v1. Um, looking in the Southampton game the other night, he got exposed and, you know, in, in our final 30, he, you know, he was, he was not great 1v1. I, I, I think that, you know... This is, uh, um, I mean, I watched Kyle Walker-Peters play the year after that we got to the Champions League final. I watched him play in the first game of the season um, against Aston Villa and thought he'd done really well that day. Um, we won 2-1. Um, before that, he saw him play at Newcastle. I think he was man of the match and obviously got injured and then just fell out of favour. But I, I struggled, where I struggle to get my head around certain things, Chris, is regards to what I see is just plain common sense. So we sell Carl Walker-Peters for something like 12, 12 million, something like that, was it? 12, 12 13 million? Yeah. Um, we, we buy Matt Doherty for 15. Yeah. And we buy Emerson Royale, who gets transferred to Barcelona for 15 million, and we buy him for 25 inside two months. And I look at that and I just, you know... I look at that and just think, is that just is that just me, or or is that, does that just not seem like common sense? No common well, sense. Tell me, I mean, tell me if I'm saying I have to back you up there. Absolutely no common sense. The guy don't even 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 I think landed the bus. I think he just got a glass of wine on the coast, <laughs> uh, and uh, for fifty mil comes here and goes back two weeks later to London for twenty five million. Somebody in there made a lot of dough, mate. I'm telling you that now. And knowing the industry how it works, it is no even a question mark. Um, but that's a football. It's not just that. Obviously, if you start to look into behind the scenes what, what's working or not working. But that these are the, these are the kind of the transfer dealings I it's been questioning anyway, without that with Spurs for a long, long, long time now. You know uh, don't interrupt you, Dean man, but no, just no, no, um is is what we're seeing today is not from yesterday or last year. This is more than five years 
in the building of a disaster coming. Uh, you know, Pochettino, yes, glorifying going to the Champions League final, but poor guy needed to handle with some players, whatever he got in there. There was no even a one single transfer coming into that these years and still make made a massive kind of run within Spurs. But that's where the problem comes into it. When you have such a good run and you go into the Champions League and you go, you're in, you're out. Champions, Champions League money is quite a lot of money, by the way. That's why in Europe, just to give you an idea, in Europe, it's kind of crucial to go to the Champions League. Not like the Premier League. Now, Premier League, the TV rights are so high that some of them don't even care to go to the Champions League. But Champions League is a lot of money. We're talking 25 to 30 million quid to qualify. But then going through the group stage, you're just going, just on that tournament, you can grab between 50 plus minus 70 million quid. These guys went all the way to the finals. So how much money they actually grab every year? Where is that money really gone? Obviously, we know the stadium needed to be built. There was a huge debt going to it, so it needed to be financed that. Understandable, because that gives more uh, revenue to it going forward. The training ground is top luxury. But in the same time, it is an unbalance between the commercial side and the football at this point. And not just Spurs. Look at Man United. Man United is exactly the same point. These guys, commercially, absolutely dreaming, make a lot of money, but on the pitch, they also didn't win anything. So I think what's happening in the, in the industry is that kind of comfortable revenue stream coming in, especially in the Premier League now, that the commercial side is actually more driven than actually the football side. And that takes out the whole soul of the industry a little bit. And that's why I'm a little bit worried about it going forward with so much money coming involved. And that trips also goes filters down to the players because suddenly the players gain absolutely massive money. The contracts today, Dean or me, you know, we, we'd be happy to play again. Just so even for ten percent of that wages of the week, because that was not even the full wages we had ten at the time. It, that, that's the level we're talking about. It. That's you're it. Four hundred fifty grand yeah. a week, and you're not playing, or you understand? Were you bothered suddenly? You got your check every month is coming into it. And that attitude has changed the last five, I would say, eight years. The money has really changed a little bit, the overall attitude, the soul from the industry and the players. And the young players today are absolutely spoiled. There's not even a question mark. But that's why there's no characters there. There's definitely that, Chris. I think that, you know, I, uh, uh, I, I, I think there's also a part that I think that almost some of the players that we sign, I think that, you know, they need to hear about the history about the club and they need to understand the history of the club and, and kind of what the club kind of means to people. You know, it's it's like, you know, we have had glory days, obviously, they were probably a long time ago. But I just think that, you know, I've got a lot a lot of my friends are Spurs fans and they're talking to me about Ndombele. I wouldn't have Ndombele in my change room if I was a player now. I would not have him in my dressing room. He's a shit house, mate, as far as I'm concerned. Because he don't care. Don't care about the club. You know, he's gone back to France and he'll probably perform because he's in his own backyard and he's happy in his own backyard. But he did not want to play for Tottenham. I'm telling you now. You can tell. You can tell by a player's body language when they want to play. You know, 
it's when we played, you know, it's not about what Ramon in the era that we played, but we played with some great players, with some great characters and people we we wanted to play. Now, we might not have been at the level that some of these players are now, but there's too many players for me that come into this club that it's just, as Ramon just said, it's vast sums of money and they're just coming and picking up their dough, Chris, for me. And if someone ever said that, if someone ever said that to me, if someone ever said that to me, that would kill me. That someone's just saying, oh, you're just, pick, you're just picking up your money. It's wrong. And I think, to be honest with you, I think that is a little bit, a little bit of what is going on behind. There are players that care. Definitely. We've got players in our in our squad and our but Ramon mentioned about characters. And I don't think there's any leaders in that dressing room really that are gonna get older people and get older people by the scruff of the neck. I mean, <laughs> we have tear ups in our dressing room. You know, play, even on the training field, I can remember Ramon and I have, having one on the training field under Jerry Francis. You know, have, having, a, having a proper flipping terror, as in people were getting in between us. Do you know what I mean? Because something, because we had a disagreement, and we was work, actually we was working on something on the back four, which we relentlessly did with Jerry Francis. Relentless. You know, two or three days a week, we're relentlessly working. That stuff don't happen by accident. But, you know, Ramon and I squaring up with each other, like we go in the dressing room, we shake hands again, it's all over. But it's because we care. Yeah. You know? It's true. People have it's to true. feel it. It's actually, this is exactly what's missing. You know, it's actually people have to feel it. And, you know, I understand, like, it's a, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Like, the fans are frustrated, so they're venting their frustration. But they need to feel something. They need to feel that these players care. You know, the passion that the manager has is like unbelievable. I just, I love our manager. You know, I love our manager. And, you know, for example, watching when we played against Liverpool, you know, his energy, his passion, it transmitted into the stadium, it transmitted onto the, the players on the field. You know, but flipping out, you know, the players, you know, it, it's, Everything has got to come together, and if we don't all come together as one, like we all come together as one, that we this this place, this stadium, when this stadium is rocking, this stadium is rocking, and it, it is an intimidating place, and it's not an easy place to come to. If I'm an away, if I'm an away, um, and I've been in, a, in the away dugout when I was with Watford, and the fans turned a little bit on the team when we got one nil up and we should have had a penalty, like Delafoe got brought down just before half-time, you know, and we're frustrating Tottenham and the fans t- were turning and it, it, it weren't helping the, the, the uh, team. I mean, in the end, they got, a, they got a goal very late on, but do you know what I mean? It's, it's like we, you've got to, you know, everyone's got to come together, but there is an obligation. There is an obligation to, um, to, to the players but you you want to see some you want to see some heart, but it has to for me, you know. It's easy for me to say, Chris, because I was a fan. I, I was a fan, you know. When I signed for Tottenham, I, honestly, it was Roy the Rover stuff for me, because yeah. I and I and it weren't never about money, because I earned when I left and when I went to Crystal Palace and I signed on a free transfer of Crystal Palace. 
I was earning six times more a week than what I was earning when I was at Spurs, believe it or not. Wow. But I was at Spurs for six years and I could have left in 93 and I could have left in the middle of, nine, of 94. But I didn't because I wanted to stay because it was my club. Now, we, you know, I don't have regrets. Maybe my time was up and I should have gone. Who knows? But it was never about the money for me. Um, but you have to show it's about personal pride. And at, at the end of the day, you know, for me as, as a collective, everybody has got to come together as one. But everyone has their part to play. If the players show the fight and the heart and the run it and want to run and get on the front foot, the supporters will back them up. 100%. Because when it's, and, you know, we might have some bad days, but it's kind of like, you know, we're talking tonight that is a, um, it's kind of almost like a, everyone's saying it's a familiar story. You know, we have a few weeks, we get all excited. We, we have a few good results. And we go, oh, here, here we go. And all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang. And like we're here now and everyone's doom and gloom. I, I'm, I try now, having been in the game, been on the game, in the game for a long time on the other side, I always try and look at it from a different lens and, and, and objectively. And, and, you know, it is hard sometimes to not act like a fan because I am a fan, but... You know, I'm watching South the uh, um, you know I'm watching the Southampton game on Wednesday and uh, you know we're in control we get back the two we get two one up and but we're still playing basketball it's like a game of emotion and I'm always worried when we play that type of game because we're not defensively a tough nut to crack you know we can see goals in the same way too many times you know we can see identical goals on Wednesday night. You know, from from crosses, players heading off in between Sanchez and Emerson. You know, it happened, you know, it's you know, it's uh, uh, it gets you. It does. It gets you. It's and it's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. But at the end of the day, we've got to uh, we've got to show some resilience. We've got to show some togetherness. And you know, something for I don't know what it is though, Chris. And like many people say, it's something. You kind of smell it. There's just something not quite right. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it just something's just just not quite there. You can't, and it's you know, if we've got world class managers, and we're saying that Mourinho is a world class manager, right? He's a world class was a world class manager. I'm not saying that he was a right manager for Spurs, and I know that Ramon pretty much agrees with that. That we didn't think that Mourinho was our type of manager, although a serial winner. Conte. Conte is a world class manager. Hang on, I stand you on the phone. He wants to re sign you. <laughs> he said he don't care if you ain't got any knees, you're in. <laughs> Tony Man City, he said, don't well, hurry. I, I just told him now, mate. Um, but I kind of, um, you know, I just, I just. We have to, we have to give Antonio Conte what he needs, and maybe like it is, it's a, it's a clearing of the decks. You know, perhaps there are players that have 
have, have done their done their their time now, and that, and they need to move on. You know, I, I remember. I, I, listen, I've not been Davison Sanchez's best biggest fan since he's come from Ajax. I've I've seen him have some really good games, and I've kind of seen him have some some horrible games. But when I watched this lad play for Ajax, this boy was a Rolls Royce player playing for Ajax. And people could say, oh, yeah, but it's Ajax. But I watched him play in the Cup Winners' Cup final against Man United the other year, and I thought, Jesus Christ, whoever gets this guy, he, he could be a snip, this boy. You get excited when he comes in. But he's not, he's not had the level of consistency. You can't say now that he's not had his time to bed in and he's not had... You know, he's not had a run of games because he's had all that. It's just, there's it's been a lot of errors. There's a lot of, been, been a lot of errors within his game. And I'm, just, I'm not digging Davison out. I'm just using him as, as an example. Yeah. There's two, we've got too many players that have kind of come in and been good players somewhere else, but not hit the heights. And I, and I don't, and there has to be a reason, there has to be a reason. It's almost like our club's bloody cursed or something. I don't know, but it's kind of like that. Our we we have players and they just don't hit the heights. Just don't hit the heights that, or the levels of consistency. Or maybe that is also because the the Premier League is is so competitive and is such a is the most difficult division because it is the most difficult division. You know, it's 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 stronger than the German league. It's stronger than the Italian league. It's stronger than the Spanish league. Anyone can beat anybody, as you've seen this year. Yeah. Maybe it's just too, too, too physically demanding and too relentless, and the pressure's too much for these boys to to be able to handle. Robin, let's come to you. Stephen writes on screen now. Um, what has Roden done wrong? Uh, drop Sanchez because. You know, it's been said many times when Eric Dyer is out of the team, Joe Roden is his deputy and he would come into the team. Um, do you think that, that Joe Roden should play instead of Sanchez? Listen, I think it's not a question if Sanchez is bad or not. I think Sanchez played many other games where he was had the fantastic games as well. I think he just had the shocker. You can't single out just a one single defender when he's having bad. I think it's a combination, just the unit and Dino's when we talk about the back forward Francis at the training ground, it's exactly this. You play as a four and you make sure you're working to get this unit. Or not, Dino's 100 yards that side and I'm on that side. We, we, we're too spread, you know. And the minute that unity doesn't work out, you as a single person, suddenly the weakness or the mistakes starts to come into and you look bad within the team. A team is played by unity, not by a single person, then the single talent will shine out once he's doing his, obviously the hurricanes, the songs and everything else, they will shine out because they have the extra talent to break through it. But between the midfield and the back is that unity. And coming back to the questions, I don't think so. Either both of them are bad or good. Uh, I think Sanchez is still the player I will put into it. But I think the back four should be working much, much harder as a unit and they don't work as a unit. I see that just all over the place. And and if you like that, as a centre-half, you're completely doomed to make mistakes, uh, to, to to look bad uh, in front of the crowd just for the sake of 
other people, other, all the players around you don't do that job, you know. Uh, and that, that's the part where it has to be worked a little bit more, you know. And I think uh, I will never single out a player is bad in the defence because I think it's not the question if the defender is bad. It's the, more the question if the unity as a defence is not working. And that's the major problem in RC here. And today it was very, very clear. And in Southampton, obviously the mistakes uh, happened as well, but even there... But it's been going during the season a little bit. I see this up and down with the defence. That unity was not there at all whatsoever. Um, that's something Conte needs to work extremely hard now because he wants to have a clean sheet at the back and protect Hugo. Um, he needs to work on that because that's the fundamental side of the winning a game. Because if you're getting three at the back, you can score four or five, but then you get six, seven in the back. That's That's not good for you, mate. Rowan, we talk about um, we talk about players, and you know, around me today in the stadium, the amount of people that I heard say, "Oh, if we had Oliver Skip in the middle and Eric Dyer was playing, we would have won today's game." It always seems that I know we've all got different opinions as, as Tottenham fans, but it always seems that that people say, "Well, if we had this player in today, we would have won." And of course, Pierre Mujoibier was taken out as well. Benton uh, um, came in. Um, what is Tottenham Hotspur's best starting eleven? Because, like Dean said, there, you know, he doesn't feel that there are many leaders on the pitch. Surely, Hoybier is one of those leaders. Oh, yes, without that, he is one of that kind of character. I think that's why Mourinho is bringing in because Mourinho likes his kind of leaders and uh, 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 at the time the characters. And I think Conte as well. Conte wants winners. Wants really kind of these guys who are crafting on the ground. And, and as you say, on, on the pitch, you, you, you when somebody's not doing their job uh, in our time, and you can see, you call, you know, it's, we, we're pretty much screaming at each other. In half times, we were just grabbing us to say, listen, mate, you, you know, don't don't be silly, do your job properly, you know. Uh, and there were some arguments. But I don't think that happens with this dressing room. None, none of that. They're all kind of lovely sheep there and saying, yes, yes, and we go out and finish the 90 minutes and we're done. I think no characters, no leaders within the club uh, uh, is there at the moment, you know. But this is the beauty about football as well, you know. You've got different opinions and different uh, squad uh, kind of uh, opinions as well. That's why the fans like that, the game. That's why they'll go week in, week out, because they can, first of all, moan, number one. Number two, get the frustration out from whatever they had in the week, because they're they're coming from a, whatever bad week they had in work, uh, uh, at home, whatever. Don't forget, football is also a social kind of uh, 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 environment for, for the fans where they get the frustration out as well. So you need to understand a little bit the fans as well that why they get frustrated when when the win the, the game is not going that way or they're not winning because a, a winning team for a fan on the weekend is like. For three, four days, they're kind of on a different cloud, you know. When all of us, we felt that when Spurs was winning for three, four days, we like chest out, we got our, the whole shirt on and everything else. When we're losing, that's for them a bad day. The whole week is kind of miserable because they already had a bad, miserable day before, or the week before. Either they lost a job or something is happening, business is not working well. So you need, I have empathy also on the fan side point of view. Because I'm looking as a fan now myself, not as a player. And and you need to see that side as well. And it's it go both ways. The players need to understand the fans as well and have empathy. Uh, and, but that's the problem we have. They don't at the moment know about that. 
And, and I think this is kind of the issue we have within the game. Faz writes on screen now, Winks and Doherty to be the next two to go, and then Sanchez and Davis. I'm sure that uh, the summer transfer window will be very busy for Spurs. Ricky, let's come to you. Now, straight after the game, Antonio Conte said, it is very difficult to get today, uh, but at the end, it was one of the best games we played. Uh, we created many chances to score, and we had the possession. Would you go along with that? One of the best games that we have played? No, mate. No, I mean, there, there, there was a lot of effort in the second half. Uh, we upped the, pos uh, the possession and stuff like that, but I wouldn't go nowhere near one of our best performances at all, at all. What I think uh, Conte is trying to do there is, like the boys have been talking about confidence, is kind of try and pick these players back up, um, try and get some unity uh, within the squad. Um, so, no, I, I don't agree on that. But to, to come back to what the boys are talking about, <clears throat> the, the, the defender, the back four or five, being a unit, I think Wolves gave us a perfect example of how to use that system today. You know, uh, not only were they a unit, but they knew when to kind of squeeze in and kind of be a shield for um, their goalkeeper, Saar. Uh, I, I think if you look at the, the kind of Jimenez goal and Harry's chance where there was a bit, there was, it, 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 there were similar opportunities. There were kerfuffles in the, within the, the six-yard box. The ball was bouncing about and it, it's come to Jimenez. Jimenez volleys it. Wicked. 1-0 for him. All right, cool. Well, when it came to our, our side, every single time that there was a kerfuffle in the box or they, we could have tried to get a snapshot off, the defence, Wolves' defence, they almost closed up like Spartans with the shields, do you know what I mean? To, to protect their goalkeeper, and then when it did get through, their goalkeeper turned into Tim Krull. Do you know what I mean? He was reaching for everything. So I would say that there, there was a lot of kind of effort to try and uh, change the result. Um, there was a lot more shots. There was a lot more possession in the second half. Um, but the, the confidence had gone by at that point. I think, you know, uh, I think they were fighting a losing battle in their minds is what they were thinking, the players-wise. Um, so, I, yeah, I think he's just... He, I think Conte's trying to pick him up. I think Conte's trying to pick him up and go again. And he has said it, uh, you know, we need patience. Uh, and he said that we're going to struggle for the three points because he's seen it. Um, so this is, you know, he's... He's got a job on his hands to 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 galvanise some of these players into a, a a unit into a squad that cares. I think there's glimmers there's glimmers of of hope in there with Harry Kane. You know he was all over the pitch today. He was he was trying to bust the gut to make it happen. Sonny pretty much the same. Do you know what I mean? Um, he hasn't got his sharpness quite right as yet but he's he's on his way and I he's always somebody that leaves everything on the field for me um you know Romero again um you know he's 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 very intelligent he there is a a, a mistake there or thereabouts because he does rush out or he or do, he does have a slip in him somewhere shape or form but the the, the quality in that player is amazing and then you look at Bentica as well. Like Bentica today, uh, you know, you, you, you can see that he cared. 
you can see that he puts in a challenge. You can see that he, he was all over the field. He even got a yellow card, like Vega was saying. You know, and he tried to push that ball forward. He had a great through ball for, who was it? I think it was Harry Kane. I think it was Harry. It might have been Lucas. I'm not sure right now. I can't find it. But he had a dynamite through ball. Oh, no, it was Sonny. It was Sonny. Um, and Sonny should have hit it with his right, I think it was. But, yeah, tried to switch it and then got blocked. So I think he's trying to go. To, he's he's gonna to look to the to these players, and he's gonna to look to the people that want to stand up and and be characters and kind of stand up to this fight and and change those boos into cheers and and uh, you know and energy. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I think he's he's, he's trying to do. And I, if anyone can do it, it's definitely him. You know, um, but yeah, a bit of patience. And there's going to be a few more painful nights I foresee nowadays uh, until that summer transfer window where he can get a few more soldiers in his squad. Dean, let's come to you. Antonio Conte also said, for sure, it's very difficult to explain the way that we started. I think the two goals are very difficult to comment on. Um, let's talk about the goals themselves. In the sixth minute, Jimenez uh, put Wolves 1-0 up. Neves shot, Lloris saved, rebound, Lloris flapped at it uh, instead of catching it. Out to Jimenez and then in the back of the net. Explain to me what Hugo Lloris was trying to do there, because why didn't he just come and come and catch that ball? Only Hugo will be able to tell you what he was trying to do. I think that, uh, you know, I will say that, you know, Hugo is probably one of the only leaders that, that we do have within the group, and he saved the team on many, many times. You know, people are entitled to, to have... Um, are entitled to make mistakes in the days. He's a he's a world class goalkeeper. You know, he's he's made a mistake, and you've got to take that. He'll, he'll take that one on the chin, I'm sure, and move on. Um, you know, obviously the. Yeah, I think as you say, it's the, it's the when you, I think that when you're a player, and, and you know, Antonio has said about the the start that the start of the game was hard was hard to uh, explain. I think when you're a player, especially when you're playing at home, and especially, I always feel like with Gwyneth Tottenham, you want to see the team come out of traps. You want to see the team that gets on the front foot, plays quick quick football, quick on the transition, quick on the press, you know, and and get yourself a foothold in the game to start off with where you're starting to grind the the opponent down, really. That's what what people want to see. um, but they didn't see that today. And that's obviously when you get the situation, you know, you lose two goals inside the first 25 minutes at home against Wolves. I mean, it's not Man City. We've all, no disrespect to Wolves, but it's not Man City. It's not Chelsea. It's not Liverpool, you know. Um, but you give yourself a mountain of climb because their backs are up. Our boys then feel really low. The confidence starts draining out of them. The crowd then get restless, and it, everything becomes a knock-on. You know, it's easy. It's easy to play. Well, it's not easy to play, but I was going to say, you know, it's easy to play when you're two 0 down and you're chasing it, and all of a sudden you buck your ideas up and start going. It's the true courage of the players that play when it's nil nil, when the when the pressure's on, when it's tough, and the pressure is on. You know, that's the game. You know, this is the club. 
people can turn around and say, oh, yeah, well, Spurs, you know, their expectations are too high. Well, what do we want to have? No expectation at all. You've got to have an expectation. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have something to strive for. You know, that 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 is, you know, I've heard two or three people say to me today that don't support our, our club, but turn around and go, well, yeah, but you're not a big club. Well, we are a big club. And we've got to think like a big club and we've got to have a big club mentality. That's what we have to do because that's what we're striving to be. Um, but even Ramon just said we're not a big club. No, but we are a big club. We are a big club, but we've got to, we've got to we we have to act like a big club. We've got to you know you've got to walk the walk. If you're going to talk the talk, you've got to walk the walk. Um, my biggest thing is if I was saying anything about what I was, and by the way, Ramiro, I really like. I think he's going to be a fantastic player for the club. I think that this guy is, I think he's top level. I honestly like him that much. I think he could be that good. But there again, I'm not. I wasn't disappointed to see Hoiberg not playing. I wasn't disappointed with that. To be honest with you, I'm not a. Um, I'm not a massive fan. I, I think he vacates his position too much. I think he runs around all over the place. I think he's a. He, he reminds me a bit of my spaniel when I let him off the lead in the morning when he. <laughs> uh, and I mean that in the nicest possible terms, but I don't. I, I think that we've got better mid, midfield players than than Pierre. That's just my opinion. Just like everybody else is entitled to an opinion. Um, but I think that you know we've got a we've got a really like we've got to get that we've got to get a core of that team straight down the middle of the team. We've got to get it that spine really really strong and with proper characters, and that will take a few quid for sure. Are you surprised, though, Dean, that we didn't have more of a reaction, particularly after losing that game against Southampton in the fashion that we did? Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, well, yeah, I mean, you'd expect a reaction, wouldn't you? You you would expect a reaction. Um, you, would, you would expect the team to want to to want to come out with a bit of intent and, and get themselves on the front foot and 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 get after Wolves and pin them back early doors. Obviously, that hasn't happened. Um, but you, it doesn't matter what team you are. You can't you can't start slow in the Premier League. Mm. You know, anyone can beat anybody. Every team that you look at, they've got like you know, what Watford still got some attacking threats in their team. If you if you fall asleep. They can punish you. You know, you, you look at Burnley. Burnley still got players in their team that 
if they get their game going and they get the ball in the right areas, they can still hurt teams. Um, so so uh, there's nothing given. There's nothing given in the in the uh, in the Premier League. You have to be on it. If you're not on it, you're gonna you you are gonna come unstuck. And unfortunately, we were in one of those inconsistent periods again that we seem to find after when everyone gets a little bit excited because we have a little bit of a good run. Ramon, let's come to you. Um, is that the problem? Because, of course, the first 10 games under Antonio Conte, we were unbeaten, the first ever manager to do so in, in the uh, in Tottenham Hotspur's history. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we were all probably going to be sitting here thinking that we're going to be getting Champions League football at the end of the season. What, realistically, do you think that Tottenham can achieve? Because at the moment, and I, I know I'm going to come on to this later, we're sitting in eighth place in the Premier League. Um, that is not even in a European place. Well, it doesn't look good. Uh, we know that. I think these two couple of games, uh, without that, uh, give the reality check what this team is and what they've been playing at this world. I think the 10 in a row was great. I think, as I say, there's a honeymoon scenario, Conto effect, everybody's talking outside and inside about him. He does give kind of a buzz within the dressing room, the players. I think Harry Kane mostly uh, was lifted, to be honest here, because until he, Conte was not coming, I didn't see Harry Kane on the pitch, to be honest here, because obviously we don't want to talk about it again. The summer saga, the disappointing way of, of doing it as well. And that had the strain in, in his mind, psychologically. Uh, one thing I was saying as well, when Conte comes in, the one part he needs to work is the psychological aspect of these players. Because that part is extremely weak. Uh, and of course, to have a status like Conte being talked the best manager in the world, with his track record from where he's coming and everything else, he does give a big buzz within the dressing room. So the younger players, they want to be showing him he, they, they can play. Obviously, Harry Kane wanted to show him that he's one of the best uh, strikers, etc. So that was good. But that's only for a couple of months. And football is not a couple of months. It's consistency. A manager looks into consistency. Do you want to win something? He's consistent during the whole season. You will have a little bit going down, but you don't have these swings. And that's the problem. And I think uh, we're having these swings at this point now, and we are on the bottom side of that. And the expectation without that now is getting harder and harder to be top four. There's not even a question mark. Uh, they really need to have a major run uh, to catch up now because I think other teams now in the second part of the season, they build themselves they're coming strong, and the top four is a very, very, very competitive spot now at the moment, you know. Leave it on to fifth and the sixth. Uh, the ones from down coming up as well. We see Newcastle coming strong, stronger as well. They're, they're coming out of the relegation kind of kind of line already as well. And they're going to come up in a good run as well. So it's going to be a hard couple of three months now. And I think Spurs and the players, they need to wake up now because... I'm afraid a little bit now that if we're not waking up early, we are not even considering being in Europe, forget, leave alone, maybe middle of the table, because suddenly you're down in another part. Uh, not saying we're going to relegation battle, but 
it, it's 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 that kind of split now, where you need to make some very good points, and we've got Man City coming up now as well. Uh, that just from a psychological point of view for the players, it might be also good because that's what they can show now. They can play against a big team, and they won against them beginning of the season. Don't forget about that. Remember the first game of the season at home against Man City. Everybody thought we we're going to lose. They won, and they've done a fantastic game. So maybe it's a good time now to show the game uh, they win by that playing at Man City. I I don't see them top four, unfortunately. I don't see them. They don't they don't have the depth in, in within the squad to do that. Um, I see them if they're lucky to be just to qualify in the European Conference their league. If, but it's going to be a very very difficult one, mate. I see higher than that. I'm, I'm looking. I, I think in a bit more positively than that. Me personally, you know, we played 22 games. You know, West Ham are five points in front of us. In fourth place, played three games more. You know, so I think that you know. We need are we to, good enough uh, for top four, though, Dean? Sorry, are we good enough for top four in your opinion? Well, we were good enough there for the last two, three games with the form that we were showing and what we were doing, because we were winning games of football. We've hit a bit of a blip. We've had, you know, happens sometimes. You know, but I think it's going to be very, very tight. And I think what we're, I think that we will finish fourth or fifth. Me personally. That's my personal opinion. I think we can finish fourth or fifth. We, we, have Arsenal, we, we have Arsenal three points in front of us and we've got them to play at home on same games. So that's that closed up if you beat them at home. I think There's not going to be another ruck between you two, is there? <laughs> I always fight for my club, mate. <laughs> Love it, Dave. Love it. I, I, just, I just feel that, you know, we, we have... Um, I look. I think we're better than West Ham. Although West Ham are a better team, they've got more. That they are a. They've got a cohesive. That they have a cohesiveness. They're never beaten. But there again, we were two one down v Leicester, with two minutes to go, and come back and won three two. Yeah. So, but West Ham are, have, you know, have a never say die attitude, and they've come back. Um, Man United, I think that they've got a fantastic group, group of players, but they're not a unit and don't seem to be able to put teams away. Arsenal are a bit like ourselves, a bit it and miss. You know, they have a good run and then not so good a run and what have you. But, I, you know, I think that, you know, there's no... Like, I think that we're as good as them. But their inconsistency is a bit like our inconsistency. Wolves... Obviously, dark horses, and come and and have brought themselves right up there around that top half side, and it's quite tight. It's tight, but you know we've got games in hand, and you know we've hit a little bit of a blip. We've lost two games in a row. You know we could be sitting here today. Could be. You know we're four points more, twenty-two points, sitting on the same. Same points as Man United, who have played two games more, and we'd be going, "Oh, here we go, we're going to Champions League." But that's the but that's the margins. 
It's the small yeah. margins within the game. You know, and we haven't quite got our margins. We ain't got our margins right in the last couple of games. You know, but, you know, there is no magic wand. You know, we've got some good players. I think that's an interesting point. Sorry, Dean, I was going to say, I think that's an interesting point because I think a lot of Spurs fans, including myself, expected Antonio Conte to come in. And although he said he's not a magician, I think that a lot of us expected him to be a magician. Well, I think you always, when, when you get a new manager and, and the results are not being good, you're always going to get a, you're always going to get a reaction. Um, and I think that he got that reaction. You know, he got that reaction. You know, the first thing he got the team doing is he, he, he started getting um, maximum maximum physical output from that group of players. That's the first thing. That's the first thing he'd done. Uh, and it was like, you, it was, you could see it, you know, you could see it and the stats showed you it as well. Now you're in a situation where, you know, a couple of players have gone out the door, a couple of players come, have come in, we've had a two week break, you know, and now we're, we've had this little spell where we've, um, you know, where we've, we've lost a couple of games that, you know, we shouldn't be losing. But, it, you but know, it's... know, this is exactly what I'm trying to say. These two games were actually essential to get points out. Because we're talking, mm. all the respect, we're talking Southampton, where we'll be struggling beforehand a little bit, of course. But then we're talking Wolves as well. We respect this team. And by the way, uh, all credit to them, but Southampton as well, or the other night, that really, really played unbelievable. I think it's not just because Spurs play bad, it's because Southampton really played Fantastic. And I deserve the win there. But if you're not talking about top four, these are the games to win. Yeah. These are the games to compete. Now, well, what I'll we, say, mate, know, is that the, is it, is know it, is it the three that are up there, yeah. City, Liverpool and Chelsea are in a league of their own. They're in a level of their own. Yeah, these are right? Okay, gone. so they're well away. I'm not going to catch them. But I'm, and I'm not talking about them. We're talking about top four. But we are in a group of teams at the minute that could get that fourth place. Fact. Because the points tell you that and where we are with the game. It's, it's about finding, we've got to get going again. We've got to get another eight-game run, eight, ten-game run going, like we're, that we've just come out of three games ago. We've got to get on an eight, ten-game run where we, where, we, where we don't get beat and when we win. And we've got Man United, we've got West Ham to play. We've got Arsenal to play. Those big are the games. games that are going to be... They're big games. They're going to be the games that are going to decide where we where we end up. Uh, I, 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 but we're capable. I, I, I hope it's going that way because that's where we want to have it. You know that glass of red wine you've got? Fill yeah. it up over halfway because you've drunk too much. This is what it is. You're going all half empty, so now kind of into it now. Where the realistic side point of view is nothing come in. I will say the top four at this point with these two games we lost are getting more difficult 
as we go. If you lose another one, then the, you can forget that the spot four. We're talking big right, games. So Man United a fifth. Man United a fifth. Yes. What What have they just done? What have they just done in their last two home games that they've played? Not much. They're in a mess completely. But Man yeah. United, I'm telling you that now, it's still Man United and they have some very quality team with that squad. They're, they're they've, got some they've got some quality no, players. They're not a quality team. We know they're not a quality team. They've got That's some quality that. players. But not they've a team. Quality right. players. They're quality yeah. players, yeah. We've got some quality players. So would you swap we don't have now down for so that? You say, you would, would, you swap, would you swap would you swap Cristiano Ronaldo for Harry Kane? No way. Come on. Well, there you go, then, right. So that would you swap? Would you swap no way. Sancho? Right, okay. No, I'm talking about Sancho. Would would you swap Rashford for Sonic? Nothing, no. Sonny, Sonny, right, okay. untouchable, I would say. Untouchable for me. Untouchable. Right. Tony, I what I'm going to tell you to do is off and get that, that bottle of red wine, fill that glass up over halfway, and let's get the arse Get the bottle of four wines, get the midfield up. Swap the ones, the rest, not just the front side. Get the back ones now. Who are you going to swap now, afterwards? Rashford, what are you going to... All of all the other guys as well. You're going to swap as well. Would you have Rashford then? Or would you have Rashford in front of Lucas at the minute? No, why not? Together, actually. Even. You would. Yes. You would. Yes. On the form that Rashford's been on, have you been watching him the last dozen games? Yes. He's not even been in the team. I would. I would, I would have Rashford all day long. Dean, can I just ask? What do you yeah. think about, um, because even Graham Roberts put this out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, um, the possibility of Lucas Moura playing at right wing back. Your thoughts on that? I think it depends who you're playing against. I think it depends who you're playing against. I think that okay. you, you'd need to, I think that the tactical side of the game now is massive. And I think that it's it's about... Trying to expose the weaknesses of the opposition and seeing what their their strengths are. Um, I wouldn't probably be playing in right wing back against Man City. That that's for sure. Um, but would have playing right wing back against Burnley. Maybe. And that's not being disrespectful to Burnley. Yeah. Ricky, let's bring you in um, on the 18th minute. Uh, today, Hugo Lloris to Ben Davis. Uh, poor clearance from Ben Davis. Um, shot came in, cross uh, onto the up, post. Son. Fill it up. Come on. You know what, Dean? Ramon, when he's on this show, he normally goes off three times to re- to, to fill the glass yeah, up. He so ain't gone up one, he ain't gone off once yet. <laughs> Ramon, you still on the first glass? No, mate. Listen, with this type of show, he's just going to put the straw in the bottle and just, you know what I mean, and just kind of crack on like that. Ricky, talk us through that second goal. Oh, um, it was a shambles, wasn't it, really? I mean, it ricocheted everywhere, came off the post, came off of Lloris, came off I don't know who. And um, 
went into the back of the net. It was a it was a terrible goal to concede. But I think that's that's what we've all been talking about. We've been talking about the unit, you know, the defensive line as a unit that wasn't really together. Um, I know a lot of people have gotten Davinson Sanchez's back recently, and you know, a lot of that is to do with these not just this season but last season, right? But there there have been a couple of solid performances from him. I, I would say this. He did make a mistake today. I would say this though, against the Saints, especially in the first half, where I was where I was sitting in the stadium, it seemed like he was trying to mop up everybody's mistakes. And he, he took like you know, he was at right centre back, centre back, left centre back, he was at all over the place. So um you know, like he was trying to mop up some 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 of the rest of the team's mistakes as as, as well as his own, and I think today that it kind of came in again. Um, it kind of came in again for him. I think he probably had the Saints game in his head, saw the panic, and went to kind of go and try and cover somebody else, which left somebody else behind him, and it was a it was an easy goal for to concede. Um, gutting goal, gutting goal. Uh, so yeah. Really, really tough, bro. Really tough. Uh, great for them. Not so great for us. Um, but you know what? Like, my, my what well, I wanted to ask the boys, actually, Dino and, and Ramon, like, you know, when you have, when you guys were playing and you kind of had a, a bad run of results, what was the thing that kind of galvanized you, brought you back together, got you going again? Was it a bit of a tear up? Was it a bit of an argument? Was it looking at tactics? Was it trying harder? Was it double sessions? Was it what the manager said, like individually or as a team? Like, what was the thing that kind of got you guys back on track and kind of got you guys back on the run that you you then went on after a bad run of results? Ramon, go on, you go. Wine. <laughs> it's obvious, Ricky. It's the wine. It's the wine. It's the vino. Wow, you got the excuses, me all wine, mate. You guys are enjoying the show, we're, isn't it? We're just, we're just jealous, bro. I'm just jealous. I ain't got one. Do you know what I mean? You no, got to send me a box see or something. All of that, mate. I enjoy my wine. Why not, my friend? You know. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy, brother. Enjoy. Sunday evening, you know. Why not, mate? <laughs> Dean, did uh, did Ramon drink as much wine back in the day when he was playing to to what he is now? Probably. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't really remember. I don't really remember to be fair, mate. I, I wasn't. Most of us others right. were were more were more beer drinkers. We were more bottles of beer drinkers. Most of us. Well, so, 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 would that would that would have galvanised you? Would going out for a beer would that kind of Listen, put we, spirit we, back? Um, I think that, um, yeah, we would have a we would have a night out for sure. Uh, but I don't think that you can do that now. I think with social media now, you lose a game of football if you go out on a players' night out that you might might. Yeah use as a bonding session, you'll be all over the papers and all over social media the following day getting absolutely hammered. So you can't do that now. The players are under pressure on that side of it. Um, I think from a from a working point of view, um, for me, I, if if I lost if I lost the game, I just wanted to get back out there again and try and put it right. If I didn't perform or whatever, 
Um, I'd want to work really hard at my game. Um, we used to do, especially under Jerry, we used to look, do a lot of tactical work, a lot of video work, a lot of defensive stuff, uh, a lot of correctional stuff. Um, and there was a, a hell of a lot of correct playing alongside Ramon. Um, <laughs> and, and, and as much for him as well, playing alongside me. Um, but no, it, was, it was... Were, were, um, you, were, you, were you with me on the, on the pitch at Wembley when we won the, the League Cup? No, I left the year before, so. Oh, yeah, you were, you were at the after party. Oh, I'm going to show you then. Oh, yeah, I remember. We had some beers there at the bar there. Remember. Jesus. So, so I would oh, just want to, I would just want to get back on the training field and I would, and I'd want to work it out. I, I would want to work, just work and, and have the opportunity to get back out on the pit, the pitch again and, and put it right. That's, that's the only, it, there, as you say, there is no, there is no magic wand. However, you know, confidence is a is a big thing. It's a big thing in football, and players do do lose confidence. You know, as I've said before, I've seen many seen many a player come to Tottenham, world class players, and, and struggle and struggle for confidence um, playing playing at our club. But there's no, you know, I think that. Um, you know, the players will be hurting as well, by the way. Well, a lot of them will be hurting. I don't know how many of them will be hurting, but there'll be players in that within that dressing room that will be hurting. Um, but I think that as a, it needs to be, there needs to be leaders. You've got to have characters and you've got to have leaders and they've got a, um, I've got a, they, they have to, they have to step up. Is it, do you think, do you think it's tough? Do you think it's tough for leaders though nowadays to actually lead a group of uh, of players, a group of people, um, especially now you you know you're talking about like the money type of thing, and you're talking about like social media and stuff, and you know everybody's very kind of can be can be very individualized. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you know if somebody's you know trying to tell me what to do, and they're on, le- I'm just putting this in a scenario, yeah. but they they're on less money than me, then I'm going to look at him and go, but bruv, what do you know? Do you know, like, what are you telling? You know, well, that's, oh, the problem. More that's the problem with human beings. That's the problem with football. It's, it's, you know, you, you know, you have to become. When you're within a football team, you've got to be become a collective. You know, I, I've got to be playing. If I'm playing alongside Ramon, I've got to know he's got my back, and I, he needs to know that I've got his back. That that's the type of that's the type even, of thing. Even earning more than you at that time, you know. Sorry, mate. Even though I was earning more than you, that's the way that the kind of way of saying people earn more on the side. Yeah, but that never, <laughs> but, you know. But, but, but Ramon, it never bothered me what another player was earning. That's what I'm saying. It never that's bothered me because my view was was that I signed my contract for what I signed my contract for. That was yeah, my. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's my this yeah. is what I'm saying, Fred. This is the point yeah. what Ricky was saying. You know, yeah. but you know, the other players maybe are earning more, but. Dino, in this case, we didn't care because we just we were a unit. We were working together as a unit and play for the club. That was our first priority. What we earned, how much more or less? Um, frankly, in my case, I didn't care either if less fair than all, all these guys earned more. We were just 
make sure we're going to win as a unit because as a unit, we all profit about it because everybody plays good, everybody wins, and the club wins. So uh, that's that's one of the key parts, elements, psychologically in the dressing room is very difficult to to, to to hold together, you know. How did how did you all know who, who was earning what money? Did you ever talk about it in the training room? I never knew what anyone was earning, Chris, and nor was I interested. Yeah. No, I, I, I didn't care either, to be honest with you. We, we just, I signed the contract, and because I wanted to play for Spurs at the time, I, I was not kind of interested what, whatever whatever the guy was earning there. Uh, of course, you know, you you've, in the papers, you, you're reading and everything else, but frankly saying, I didn't care. Didn't care at all. Dean, what a Dean, I want to come back to you. Trevor writes on screen now. Do you guys think that a top six uh, finish would be successful uh, season? And uh, would that be enough to keep Antonio Conte at the club? Because are you worried about keeping Conte at the club? The, the fact that he's only signed an 18-month deal? Yeah, I am concerned. Um, I think that we would have to be... We would have to be in Europe. And I don't mean this conference, leaguey, Dubry, whatever it's called. I think we'd have to at least be in the um, in the Europa League at least, and I think he'll need guarantees of um, of players. And I bet I would think that that he will want he will want to see that there's some some air that he's got off for another glass of wine. That he's got. <laughs> it's about time, actually. It's about time. Um, now, I'm telling you. <laughs> I think that um, I think that he will need to. Um, to have some reassurances that the players that he wants are going to be coming into this club. 100%. Ramon, let's come to you. Um, a free kick just outside the box in today's game. Harry Kane steps up. Why is Harry Kane still on the free kicks? Because <laughs> I think he's been converted from a striker to kind of playmaker. That's why he's now in the last three years, two years, I would say, more and more now. He's uh, last year was we were con- we were concerned why is he going so so much back to get the ball because obviously the delivery to him was not there because we don't have that kind of number ten really Modric style we call it you know with delivers or Ericsson, you know where before that was a delivering point to to Harry Kane now he's been pretty much put in a position that he needs to drop. To get the ball, and then and from there, and he's, he's doing it also well as well because he's passing extremely well that that kind of way. But he should be more really focusing in the front, but he hasn't got that support, unfortunately. So, by nature of the game, instinct from him, he's dropping, get the ball, and then start to push it forward, you know, the positivity side going forward, you know. Um, hence, I think he's going into the free kicks there. I don't see anybody else within that squad doing this. I think he has the technique and the skills to do it. And I think uh, I don't see anybody, to be honest with you. That's why. And I, I think he's trying to lead. I think he's trying to get, you know, take some responsibility for the team. He can see the team struggling. Um, I think he's kind of trying to trying to change something, you know. And he also knows, like you said, Ramon, is, is that there, there ain't another player on the field that can take a free kick. So... He's going to go, you know what, let me have it. Let me try and get us in front. Well, let me smack he, it into the wall for the 50th time this year. Bro, I, I know. I know I'm with you because all of us can see it. We, we, we can all see it. But I think that 
it, to, to me, it, it's sometimes when I've seen him grab the ball and take responsibility for that free kick, he, I think he's trying to show a bit of leadership and he's trying to put himself on the line because when was the last time he scored a free kick, you know? So yeah. I, I think he's, he's trying to put himself on the line, trying to take responsibility, trying to go, you know what? All right, cool. You know, we talk about taking the game by the scruff of the neck and all of that. I think that's what he was trying to do by taking a free kick and trying to make something happen. Well, after the game, Harry Kane tweeted, a tough and disappointing week. No words will make up for it. We have to keep working hard and make sure that we are ready for the games ahead. Um, Dean, just want to come to you, uh, before we talk about the Manchester City game, just want to get your thoughts on Tottenham in the January transfer window, in particular the two new signings, uh, Rodrigo Bentaker and uh, Dijan Kulishevsky. Uh, you impressed with these two new signings so far? Well, I haven't seen enough of them, Chris, to be fair. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, yeah, I think they're going to be great signings. I, I haven't seen enough of them, to be honest with you. Um, you know, they, they, they look good players. You know, it's... In an ideal world, Conte probably would have liked to bed them in as we go along, prob- probably. But because the uh, performances have not been as good as what he wanted to, he's then he's in, uh, having to throw them in. And, um, you know, then it's, you know, they've got to learn on the job very, very quickly. So it's, it's difficult. I think that, um, I think it's probably, I think it was right for Endombelli to go. I think it was right for Delhi to go. I think that those are just two of probably a number of players within the group that probably need to move on. Um, but I do, um, I honestly believe that the hardest thing that Antonio's got is is trying to transition a team um, in this period by trying to win games of football and bring new players in and get rid of players that he feels are dead wood. And that's the hardest thing in football because when you're a first-team manager at the level that he's at, your job is about results. Um, it's not... I'm not necessarily saying that it it should be that way, but it's it's what everyone's going to be. Look at... No-one knows the work that he's putting in on the training ground and I'm sure he's, the players are working extremely hard and per, per, putting that amount of work in. Um, but, you know, he's going to... He does need time. I'm, I'm afraid... Like, it, but I still think that he's got enough about him and that we've got enough players to be in and around that fourth to sixth. Dean, I've no doubt that Conte, when he came in, knew that this job was going to be difficult. But do you think that he thinks now it's, is it, it's even more difficult than he first thought? No, no I, don't, I don't think so. I think that, no? um, I think that some of the things that have happened might, might have frustrated him. You know, like you know, for example, the the winger that he was trying was trying to get that went to Liverpool. You know, the deal was sounds like it was as good as there, and then Liverpool coming and gazumped him at the end of the day. I think things like that would have frustrated him. I'm sure. I'm sure that he would have liked to bring bring maybe a couple more players in in the window, probably maybe four. You know, and and maybe. Moving one or two others out, out outside the door as well, but you know, I think that um, you know it's not. It, it's you know, Ramon will be able to tell you more about this side than what I will, as in from I'm on the coaching side. But Ramon's been on that sort of agency lawyer side. It's it's complicated to get players to get player deals done and to negotiate deals and get the right deals for the right players over the line. 
because when you're trying to get where Spurs are trying to get it, you're looking at it's a, a very small, small minority of players that you're looking at, really. Ramon, your, your thoughts on the January transfer window and the new players? Well, January window is a, is a disaster window, to be honest with you, uh, for every club. Uh, January window is opportunistic, uh, emergency, we call it. You know, you know when you when you you when you're in an emerging room as such in January, then you've done a bad job in the summer or before the summer. That's pretty much what it is. If somebody's in an emergency room in terms of January and really kind of under pressure, either to get out the players, then the summer or prior to that summer was not done well the job because. Uh, there were too many players on there, obviously, with major salary. That was one of the key parts. The reason why not more signing was into it, because Spurs had too many players on on, uh, on, on the wages bill and had the need to get them rid of. The problem is, these guys were on an enormous money, where in Europe, if it's not Real Madrid or Barcelona, well, it, uh, nobody can actually pay that. Uh, and... Spurs needed to either to discount that wage bill or pay for it to get rid of that, you know. And to have that from the start, it's very difficult to even start to negotiate new players to come in because you can see already the problem. You can't even, even negotiate with somebody. You don't even know if somebody wants your players you have in the squad. So that's the kind of the chicken and egg situation of the January market in a very brutal way. And that's what I think Spurs had in five years. And in the team, but that comes down also from the last summer's uh, uh, dealings as well, because the summer dealings are the key part. But the summer dealings doesn't start in June; it starts now, already. So you're already starting coming July, August, September, um, uh, end of August to get everything sorted out. But the key part, we we, we are three, four seasons behind with all of that. It's, it's a lot of non-dealings within these players should have been gone long time ago or cashed in and got some new fresh blood, new kind of attitude within the dressing room. That's what's missing. You can see this season already there. Yes, these two players are promising. Pentacle, without a doubt, I knew from Juventus, is a good player, great skills. Um, he is a machine in terms of running capacity. Proper midfield box to box guy, you know. Uh, again, if he hasn't got that support next to him, or he has that kind of connection to the forward going forward, you won't use this player properly, and that's where then suddenly that player from a good player starts to go be a, not a good player. And I think I'm worried about that side as well with this player because he is quality, you know. Um, the other youngster is is still youngish in in, in terms of. Asad, but he has experience already because he's a Swedish international and he played Juventus many times already. He has certain attitude. I think he has to settle in very quick. He realizes Tottenham is a different club. He needs to settle extremely quick. And I think Conte most likely has to put him on as soon as possible because today we saw again going forward, yes, some good actions, but that click between the midfield and, 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 and the strikers are still big hole, I have to be honest with you. Um, so, no, the January market is, without a doubt, the hardest market. You, January market, you don't do major deals uh, as a club. You have to do the deals already in summer. Uh, in the January, either you either get think, things, players out of the club on loan to, to free up some of them for the summer or sell off already. 
But the bring in in this January market is the most difficult market for every club in the Premier League or in Europe as well. And I'm talking to most of them on a daily basis, and it's, it's very, very difficult. And I think it's also, if it comes from the Premier League, that the wage bill and, and the transfer for European clubs is very, very expensive, expensive at the moment. So that makes it even more difficult <laughs> for a Premier League club to offload one of the players. Same thing is to sign some of the players because the Brexit has also made it difficult to pl- uh, to sign some uh, the youngsters who are potentially not international, don't even qualify for the Brexit into into England. So that makes it even more difficult. So you need to go to the top, top, top players who are international and that cost. They're not going to go away. Surely, though, Antonio Conte um, is expecting a very, very busy summer to, to transform this squad in the summer. Look, all on that, Chris, before you go into summer... I think Conte needs to stay in the summer because we have to see now what he's going to do in the next four months. Do you have doubts? These guys are not qualified for Champions League. I'm not sure it's going to be a major busy summer this world because the Champions League does give that kind of financial foundation to build up a, a squad in the summer. And I think that's what they're playing for now. And I hope so. Because that's, you know, you're having Conte... At Spurs, it's a luxury at the moment. We have to really kind of be saying it's a luxury. But at the same time, he's not stupid either. If he doesn't see playing Europe next year, I'm not sure he's part of the whole kind of rebuild, we call it, uh, scenario. I think we need to wait how that's going to come out the next three, four months. I do hope. And I think he will work hard now. He knows now what he has to work with. And that's where the manager's skills also has to come out. It's one thing is to have a team where you have potentially some quality players to come in because the money is there. And yes, you have to have the psychological side to build a unit. But then you need to also, as a manager, to work with the players you have and make sure you make the best out of this player. And that's why yeah. I like to see this one out from Conte. I want to see what he can bring out, what he has now at this spot. Yeah, Roy writes on screen now, Ramon is correcting, he's basically saying what Antonio Conte is saying, Spurs need to learn lessons from past transfer windows. Ricky, just before I come to you, Dean, I've got to ask you, um, the last time, and please don't take offence, Dean and Ramon, the last time I was really excited about a Spurs transfer was Jurgen Klingsman back in 1994. Of course, Dean, you were part of that squad. What was it like in that dressing room when all of you found out that a world-class player like Jurgen Klingsman was just about to come into your dressing room and play for Spurs? Unreal. It was absolutely unreal. Um, the excitement and the euphoria around the club through through Jurgen signing was um, was unbelievable. Um, and to be fair, it was, um, the, the humility of the man as well, when he came in was just, it was just, he was just class in everything, in the way that he acted, the way that he trained, the way that he played, his enthusiasm. It was just a, um, it was just a top, top guy. But so humble. That was the biggest thing that, like, I'll say about Jurgen is that he's, uh, 
He's, he's such a humble fella. Did, did, it ra- did, it, did it raise your levels? Like, did it raise the levels of you and the... I, think I had to raise my levels every day, my friend, to try and hang on to the tails of the players that we had in that team at that time. I've got to tell you. Right. It was uh, every... Uh, you had to be... Um, you know, I was fortunate. I had to be on it. I needed to be on it every day. I needed to be training every day. I needed to be working hard every day. Um, that's obviously where I where I suffered later on in my Spurs career, really from 95 onwards, because uh, I had seven knee operations in uh, in a matter of 18 months. So, you know, that takes its toll a little bit, you know. Mm. That that still remains one of my favourite ever seasons watching Spurs ninety four ninety five uh, with uh, with Teddy and uh, Jurgen up front unbelievable. Um, Ricky, let's come back to you. Um, just your thoughts on the uh, brand new signings, uh, of course, in January, and then we'll go around and talk about the Manchester City game. Um, well, you know what? Uh, like I said, to you, it's like where I've been burnt before with Endombele and and Lotelso and a couple of others. Um, I'm I'm waiting to see what they do in a Spurs shirt. I think Benton Kerr looks like class. I think he, you can definitely see there's there's a raising quality within him. You could see him today, also organizing, shouting, snarling at the some of the players around him, putting in the tackle, making a yellow card challenge to try and get some type of reaction from him. So it's very very early days, but the the one thing about him and Kulusevski was the mentality aspect. Both of them, not when signing for Spurs, but, you know, when they were at Juventus, there's quotes of them just only talking about winning, talking about suffering. You know, since they've come in, talking about suffering, talking about moving forward. So it was more a kind of winner's mentality. And I think Conte needed tools. Um, Kulisewski, I I, I think, you know, I think he done well today. I think there's there's, there's a technician in there. Um, I think he uh, doesn't always play the obvious pass or make the obvious move. I think he is trying to switch it around. I think he was unlucky not to have scored today as well. Um, just a, just, just a, you know, a, a kind of what is it, an inch or two past the post today. Um, so the, on both of these players, the, the, the ceiling is high, um, it, but it's all about what they do in a Spurs shirt, and it's all about what Conte can kind of bring out of them and, and, and how to raise their levels and it's just it's just pleasing for Conte that he's got two players there that he can count on which he loves to say he loves to talk about players he can count on and um, that can go out there and fight for him because both of those players really respect Conte and what he done in Italy um, at Juventus and at Inter uh, and so they were really excited to play for Conte so I foresee them running through brick walls for him but they still need to bed in and they still need a little bit of time to find their rhythm and, and momentum. But um, yeah, I think it's really good for Conte and the team right now. But uh, let's see. Let's see what they do with a cockerel on their shirt. Now, let's talk about our next Premier League game. Of course, next weekend against the uh, league leaders, Manchester City. They have currently played 25 in the Premier League this season. They've won 20, drawn three and lost only two. They've got a goal difference of plus 47. Incredible. 60, <laughs> 63 points, nine points clear at the top. 
Um, Dean, let's come to you. Manchester City away. And then, of course, we've got Burnley away, Leeds away uh, in the Premier League after that. And, of course, Middlesbrough away in the FA Cup. Uh, these next few games, in particular the Manchester City one, how do you see that one going? And how do you think Antonio Conte will set up, uh, particularly how we've lost these last two matches at home? Well, listen, you know, you're playing Man City, you know, you're playing the champions already now. You know, they're on a fantastic run. We've got some things to correct. Obviously, our back three will end up becoming a back five, obviously. Um, and I don't. I think you'll play an extra man in midfield. Obviously, it's going to be a very, very tough, a very, very tough game for us. You know, but that game is not going to define our season. Um, it's the games. It's the games after. You know, the, the two games or the three games after that. Burnley, Leeds, Middlesbrough. Those three games are going to be the games that are going to um, that are going to see see where we are if we're going to be there or thereabouts. So you got you kind of saying then it's a free hit then next week, Dean? Yeah, I think so. Really, you know, I think that um, I think the team shape's going to have to change. Different. I think it's going to, have to be different. It's going to have to, they're going to have to have an extra man in midfield. The wing backs we know are going to get pinged back because of our Man City play with their 4 3 3. So he, he will tactically have to adjust for sure. Ramon, how are you feeling about the Man City game? I know, I know you're, you're smiling there. What, what, what's, what's your score prediction for next week? Listen, my friend. Can Tottenham go and win at the Etihad? Um... Listen, we won them at the beginning of the season, so it was great. Um, but it's not the same scenario now. Two, we lost two now. We are on the back foot. Uh, we play at Edgehart at that home ground. Not easy uh, place to play. I just hope maybe Skipper will come into it in 10 weeks. He's changing that midfield a little bit. I think that support is needed. To strengthen that defence a little bit, you know. Um, I think I missed that a little bit, to be honest. With you. I don't know if he's going to be fit enough. And, and Sergio on the left side is also missing a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to be fit for that the game as well. If not, it, it's going to be a completely very, very, very kind of Italian Conte way tactics. Very defensive, away game. Go for the point. Make sure you're very tight. Uh, the back. It's not going to be a, a game or extreme offensive because um, you can't allow that himself now go open to against Manchester City at the moment. They will smash them completely if, if you open. I think now the key part is to get that confidence back, get that unity back against Man City. If we can get a draw out, I think that would be unbelievable, to be honest with you. Uh, that uh, gives the, the players again a little bit some some confidence, and I think that's what I need to work now for Wednesday to to go up there and work as a unit, and be defensively strong, so you're not getting any goals. And you never know, with having of course and so on, you might score. That might be a, a bonus. But I think the focus now is to keep the defense extremely strong uh, and 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 maybe pray for a, for a draw. Because after that, as, as Dina said, we got some major games there, and these are the games to win. If, as Dina said, we're going to be top four, 
these are the games to win. Um, and I think if if Manchester City is a very key, important game to get that unity back. And and even if we draw, maybe not playing the best game, but we draw, that gives already some confidence. So what score prediction are you going for, Ramon? I'll go for 1-1. One, one. Ricky, how are you feeling about it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, well, you Rick, know, you got to be at the head of the old Sid James about you, mate. You make me laugh when oh, you get that old laugh I, going, mate. Bro, bro, I don't know, bro. <laughs> it, it's, it's visceral, it's, mate. It's, it's visceral, it's visceral. Um, look, man, it's, it's all about the response. It's all about the response from the boys. I mean, hopefully they can have a, 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 a good week's training. Um, and hopefully they can they can kind of be up for the fight. I mean, I'll probably, me personally, I probably would have put it, put it back to a kind of 4-2-3-1. But then chopping and changing, what does that do to a team after you've been working on it? Um, so, I don't know. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But, you know, I never back them to lose, even when the odds are stacked against us. So I, I will never back them to lose. And it's not going to happen today. I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say 3-2, three, 3-2 two. Three, two Spurs. 3-2 two Spurs? I don't care. Yeah, 3-2 three, two, three, two Spurs. Dean, we didn't get a, a score prediction from you. We ain't going to lose. Is that it? Yeah, we won't lose. Well, I hope you're right. Dean, give give me uh give me your fondest memory of Ramon in the Tottenham Hotspur shirt while you were there. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> what are you talking to me? <laughs> well, I was gonna ask Ramon the same question about you. My fondest memory of Ramon. <laughs> I, I, I think it's I think it's one. I'll just say that, you know, all joking aside, top guy, great in the dressing room, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, we, we had some um, we had some good times. Ramon was sort of coming in at the time when I was kind of probably on my way out. Yeah. I had played for a year, but... Listen, top fella, always, always had a smile on his face. Great, great, great in the dressing room. Good banter. You know, nah, nothing but respect for the fella. Ramon, you're going to show the love back. Well, I, I, I had only the boys front of his doorstep now, if you said something wrong, mate, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I remember we had some great ban banters in the dressing room, especially... When I arrived, we, we were foreigners. We obviously got this French correction with David Ginola and Jose Dominguez and all these guys coming into it, you know. We speak different languages. And and in the beginning, all this cockney language for us was kind of very, very difficult to understand, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, and we, we just had some major banters. Obviously, Dino, of course, saying some cockney language saying, what the hell is he saying, you know? What you, I couldn't understand one word at the beginning, you know? But and I said, bloody hell, what a fruitcake these guys are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, he, he's, uh, Dino was always very professional. There's no, no even a question mark. Uh, extremely professional uh, from the dressing room point of view, always uh, there 
Um, it was kind of the point of to chat about in terms of tactics and everything else. I think you know was extremely good, and uh, you can see already there that he was going that direction. Um, and as I say, I think he was just in his last year, so I only just had the short time here, but the memory was very, very good. Uh, absolutely good okay. guy, humble okay. guy, and very organized, very tidy in terms of uh, in the dressing room when we prepared himself. Because I, I remember I was coming from. Ram on, ram on. Be mate. I'm welling up here. <laughs> you didn't expect that, thing, did you? Mate, I'm picking you up, mate. Sorry, mate, I'm picking you up, mate. I'm loving it. No, but the the key part is, for us for only the time, it was the Premier League was just starting, so there was not many foreigners beforehand. Of course, Klinsmann's one of of the big attractions came a year, year before. But we were just coming that kind of the new area of the Premier League and Europeans came into the Premier League as well. And for us, we, we, we were coming from a football schooling way, professional way of, from youth academy that we, we look after the body, the diets and everything else. And England was very much behind. And Dino can accept, you know, I remember the beginning, you know, even the canteen is like, goodness me, what you wouldn't eat that today in the canteen, you know, fry ups and you name it, all of that, you know. For us, all of that was very, very new. Mm-hmm. So they were very behind in lots of things in terms of the professional side point if you have a player has to look after themselves on the diet and everything I think this is what these guys somehow learned as well from us as well and I think Dino was very very kind of perceptive of this he asked questions what you guys been doing over there how you look after your body and everything else so he wanted to learn you know he's he, from that side it, it was a very important uh, time for him as well just so, talking about that no, no just talking about that Ramos made a really good point then because um, when when Christian Gross come into our club, everyone thought that he was a bit bonkers because all of a sudden it was like we used to we'd play on a Saturday or on a Saturday in the morning, you'd have to go out and we'd have to run in the morning, I to open the legs up, stretch the legs out, in on a Sunday for a recovery. Monday would be off. So we, we went from the traditional English way, which to be fair, I don't believe in now anyway. But he was, I thought that this guy was ahead of his time in regards to in England with the things that he brought in. So it was like all about looking after yourself properly, uh, re, uh, a regen day on a, on a day after a game. So you would come in and you would cool down and you were ice bath and, and all that uh, kind of stuff. You'd get the Monday off and then you would come in on the Tuesday and then you'd do the full week. Um, and Really, to be honest with you, it, it, he was he was ahead of his time. I know he got a lot of stick when he was here and probably didn't get the results that he'd wanted to get, but it was an eye-opener for me. Like, it was an eye it, like, really, like, Ramon, you know, kindly said some nice things about me there, but the one thing that I always prided myself on was my professionalism and and always now is, is always to be open-minded to be open-minded that there's different ways of doing it. Like there are different ways of doing things. Um, and if that can give you, you know, a small margin or, or a couple of percent more, then you've got to be receptive to doing it. So Dean, who are the players who are eating the fry-ups? Because Ramon's never told me. Well, 
Well, when I, there, there wasn't many people eating fry ups towards the back end of of what we were doing. But you know, when we in my first couple of years, we used to go to a cafe around the corner. When we used to be in for a massage a day after a game, if we had a midweek game, probably myself, Razor, Teddy, Darren, Anden, David, Owls, um, Sedge would would be in the cafe round, round the corner on on the next to the ground. We used to go in there and get our breakfast in the morning afterwards. But I, I mean, they were great times, you know. We, we used to, you know, in that era, players used to like spending time with each other and going yeah. out together and socialising. Now, it's 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 not there, but it's not easy for the boy uh, for the boys now. The boys now, you go out for a group list like last week. You look at the Man City boys and Pep Guardiola being the genius that he did. You know, they're asking what he thought of Carl Walker, Grealish and Mares going out. And he said, no, I'm going to find them. He says, because they, they didn't invite me. You know, <laughs> he made a point about that they, they are human beings. You know, they are human beings. And, you know, there's big stakes in this game. You know, and there's massive pressure for these boys. And they do need time to unwind and relax and do things that they enjoy doing. And if that's going out and having a couple of beers with their mates at the right time, then why not? However, for example, in a situation like Spurs today, if there was any players out, so if there were three or four players out tonight in London in a in some bar, they'd be getting absolutely hammered for it. And I just yeah. think that that's. You know, I, I, I'm not sure whether that's. I mean, I ain't sure whether that's right for me. I think that. Can I just sneak? Can I just sneak another question in, Dean? You know, social media now for footballers. Yeah. Of course, there wasn't social media when you and Ramon were playing. Do you think it's a good thing for footballers to be on social media nowadays or not? Joking. I would be on it. I would not be on it if I got paid a million pound a year. If I was a footballer now. I want to concentrate on the foot, the football. Why would I want to go? Why would I want to go to work, play a game of football, have a bad performance, which you're going to have from time to time, and then have to go home and be pelted by thousands and thousands of people it coming through on social media? You know, yeah. there, there is a big thing. You know, you know, Chris, we had a big thing a couple of years ago where everyone was talk, talking about the mental health of players now. Yeah. You know, that's not good for their mental health, in my opinion. You've got to be some kind of character to be able to be immune to that type of stuff. You know, they are human beings, these boys. You know, it's not nice picking up, you know, it's not nice being in a in a stadium and being booed by 30,000, 40,000 when you touch the ball or you make a mistake. That's not nice. But then to come outside it and then, and then get it on social media as well. But they've made the, deci- the decision to go on it. So See, it wasn't. Accolades. So they want the accolades when it goes their way. You've got to take the rough with the smooth. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but for me, it wouldn't be for me. Dean, it wasn't very long that you were Watford assistant manager. Um, did you see any of the players actually looking? at the replies on social media or indeed looking at YouTube videos like this where they're being analysed? Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw I saw a lot of players on social media looking at stuff. You know, I would often say to young players, get off it. If, you, if you've if got anything about you, get off it. 
come off it. Don't do it. Yeah. Because, you know, you know, no one's bulletproof, Chris, you know. You know, the boys, they are footballers, yeah, they're highly paid and, and you know, and, and, you know, with that comes responsibility and accountability. Um, but I don't think that anyone deserves, um, I don't think anyone deserves to take that amount of flack um, outside. You know, it's like the man who's here, accountant. If he messed your books up, he wouldn't have 5,000 people going around to his office, would he, and absolutely hammering him because he's got the books wrong. Um, But, you know, the players want to do it. So if they want to do it and they want the accolades when it's going well, then you've got to take the uh, other side of it when it don't go so well. So you've got to be able to, if, if you put yourself out there, you've got to take the rough with the smooth, I'm afraid. But I wouldn't Dean, be on it. Dean, I've just thought of another thing as well. Um, I remember back, uh, I think you were still at Spurs, when, when Ramon was on the catwalk. What, what sort of abuse did Ramon get in the, uh, <laughs> in the changing room that day? I don't, I don't remember that, Ramon. No, I don't remember that, mate. Was I pissed? <laughs> <laughs> Ramon, you must have a photo there of, of you on the catwalk, haven't you? <laughs> I remember we used to take, take the mick out of Sol Campbell because Sol, Sol, when uh, Sol got in the team and that, and, you know, Sol, Sol was the man, do you know what I mean? So he used to get all kinds of stick. He used to like going to the old film premieres and and what have you. So he got all types of names, Celebrity Soul, Champagne Campbell. You know, he he got more stick than any of the players. I think Ramon will be out of bounds for that, but he got absolutely, he used to get, he used to get absolute rinsed every single day. Ramon, I think you're on mute at the moment. (laughs) When when you you start the catwalk, I put the mute, mate. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I I thought that, I, I just calmed down myself, you know, and, you know, you can't hear him screaming. Uh, just quick, well, just back to that social media question, you know, where it's, I find it absolutely uh, nonsense. In the same time, it's 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 a platform, as Dina was saying as well, but this mental health scenario, especially with the football players concerning, I think is very, very bad for them. Uh, but generally, I think it's, 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 it's a very bad platform in terms of, it's a, a narcissistic way of putting it. People showing where they're going to eat, holidays, you name it, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, where before we didn't have that. We had a pint down the road, had a proper chat, and we say, well, listen, I was there, I was seeing, you know, really the human side point of view, all of that is gone. And I think the illusion of, of, of social media has brought very bad environment in society people think are better than what they think uh, but people think they can do better what they think as well in the same time because people are showing off some absolutely pictures of uh, bollocks we call it absolutely you know uh, and I think yes from a marketing point of view we know that a lot a lot of people using the social media because they want to get through the clients and, and things. And I think one thing why I want to say that the players' point of view is I don't think that the players themselves, and I'm talking Premier League players because that's the where the marketing comes into, is, is the people behind them 
agents slash marketing PR people, they're driving that side of them. Well, I think it's very, very bad because, of course, it's very selfish because the marketing people get paid for it. If they're not doing their job, the social media will not exist in the same time and the player will be not exposed. I think it's very important that side should be managed extremely well because that is not very good for young players to be exposed at that level. It's already, as Dean was saying, it's already hard to come out a 60,000 stadium and if you get booed, it's just to swallow that point on a psychological point of view. But even be abused potentially on the internet, social media, it's, it's, it's the worst. So I think if it's very bad. It should be controlled more. Unfortunately, we are not empowered. All these tech companies are making money out of us. Even we are now here, YouTube, you, you name it, all of that, you know. But it has to make also sense as well why we're using it, you know. If it's from an information point of view and you learn out of it, then it's a very good tool. But if it's for bullshit, frankly saying, then it's not a very good tool. And I would say now, at this point, it's about 70 to 80% is just for bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised, actually, that some clubs have not banned players from social media at certain times. I really am. Um, but... Um, Ricky, yeah, Dean, okay. and Ramon, I can't thank Please. you enough for all of your time. Sorry, go on, no, Ramon. More than welcome, mate. More than welcome. It's always good to see Daniel. Well done, mate. Thank you, mate. I've got a little, I've got a little thing for you, Ramon. Go on, mate. Lucas Moura versus Marcus Rashford. Oh, What's the stats? What's the stats? Right. So, Moura has scored six. Rashford scored five. Lucas has had four assists. Rashford's had two. Moira's has completed 616 passes to Rashford's 260. He's created eight big chances to Rashford's three. 191 passes versus 56. Touches 957 versus 435. And that's just been sent to me by my 14-year-old son who's sitting up above me in his room because he's a, he's a stat man. Good man. And how, how, how long is Lucas going to play from the age to Rashford? Right, let's have a look. <laughs> and after that, Dean, how old, Dean, I would love... how old is Lucas? And, and after that, Dean, I would love the live reaction of you seeing Ramon on the catwalk. So you've got to Google that. There's no doubt. I, I love Lucas and I, I think um, it was wrong even in the final, as we know. Um, but he's a great uh, player in terms of, of, of Spurs as well. He's a good runner. He goes into the runs into work. Most of the players don't want to run into it. He's that kind of the player. Whereas it's actually painful to go for it. That's why he gets into uh, chances opportunity. He also opens up the uh, space for like the hurricanes and so on and such. He, he's he's quality and he's done fantastic. You know. Uh, mm. Nevertheless, the problem is it's too much pressure on on him. He hasn't got support next to him. That's the problem I see that, you know. If he had some support next to him, like a kind of a number 10 Modric side where 
he can use Lucas even more or better than he is now, then you will have a much better forward. You know? Fair comment. Can, can I just ask one more question to Dean and Ramon? Who, who is your favourite player that you played with at Spurs? <laughs> Ramon, Ramon just like mute, unmute, mute, unmute. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I'm so I was... Flipping down the com I'm flipping down the comments and the version of that. <laughs> the keywords, you know. So say, say, say again, Chris, mate. Your your favourite player that you played with at Spurs. Whew. That's so hard, yeah. Um favoured. Don't like the the the, the, the word favoured. Uh um well we, we had I think the era we, I think was a good season with with David Junior, I was playing extremely well. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Then Jurgen in the second time when he came back after when he, you know. But I think you, I think David Junior, I would go for David Junior. To be honest with you. Yeah, you know. What about you, Dean? Um, my favourite player that I played with would been would have been my partner in crime down the right hand side in the early years. Darren Anderson. Yeah. Phenomenal player. Um, listen, played, you know, I've got to say, I, I'm, I've been extremely fortunate in my time. You know, I played alongside Gary Mabbott for three years, probably a good three years before Mabs was coming a little bit more to the end. You know, I then played with Colin Calderwood, who, to be fair, is, you know, was a good, great, brilliant pro professional. Played alongside Ramon, brilliant professional. Um, I played behind Darren Anderson. I played behind Nicky Barnby. Um, you know, I didn't play behind David. I'm glad that, I mean, to be fair, play, you know, David Ginler was, uh, was just um, an incredibly talented player. You had to accept David for what he was. You had to accept that what he would give the team going forward and accept that what he wouldn't do on the defensive side. His, <laughs> his game was really bollocks to you lot. You get on with it, and but just give me the ball when you get it and I'll do yeah. something with it. And more often than not, he did. Mm -hmm. um, Jürgen, I mean, Teddy Sheringham, unbelievable player. Um, you know, you talk about players, you, you talk about, about players that are uh, about talented players. I talk about talented players that I played with at Tottenham and, and that might not have reached the heights that everyone thought they would. Chica Popescu was uh, a player who was an unbelievable footballer, um, but just wasn't really probably suited to the English game. Come really in as like a centre back, come sweeper, but was not going to be able to handle the physicality that side of the game to end up playing holding midfield. Um, but what an elegant, what an elegant footballer showed how good, good he was. He left Tottenham and go to Barcelona and then had a, had a successful spell at Barcelona. But you know, I'm very fortunate, Chris, you know, to, to uh, have played with some, some, um, some great players, some great individuals. Nick, Nick Barnby, unbelievable player. Um, you know, but 
I'll probably Dino, say that. Yeah. Dino, Dino, just a quick question. Because we played in the 90s. You know, yeah. I, I had this question the other day as well. It was talking with Paolo Maldini as well. We played in the 90s as well. Yeah. And we, had, we debate about the area of the 90s in terms of quality of players playing in the yeah. time. Yeah. And we both agreed it is the best time to play. The 90s were the best players by miles were playing and we were lucky to play in that area as well because we're talking from Boban Savicevic, the Ronaldo the Brazilian, yeah. uh, you name it, all of them, you know, and those all the players I suppose as well we had, you know. Yeah. I the question I think the nineties were without them the best time, the best players ever played so far. Until now I have not seen so many quality players in one area like in the nineties playing in the leagues in the top leagues. Do you agree with me that? I don't disagree with you, mate, yeah. Because I think that there's also is that there, there was also the characters. Exactly. Exactly. Characters, you know, it's, like, it's, it's people with just real desire. You know, they they might they could walk the walk, but they like they could talk the talk, but they could walk the walk. You know, and that and there was proper proper characters. characters. I would say there's proper characters, you know, on the pitch, you know. With some very skillful as well, but with, with the kind of charisma character you can identify with them even today. If you're looking back to Serie A, of course, then the Premier League came involved and all of them came in to the Premier League as well, you know. But as I look back, it's so many players you can you can actually name were just absolutely quality, mm-hmm. world-class quality we're mm-hmm. talking in those days. And compare, we are talking today, we are still talking about the Messi and Ronaldo, the two only players. In the 90s, there were about 20 on, on, on kind of a level, of course. Yeah. You know, a minimum. Uh, and, and I think that's a difference how the football is actually gone. And the quality, money has improved. I think the quality in terms of tactical awareness and physical has improved because new technology came into it because mm. of money, but not the characters. Mm. That has been left behind. And but I think that part is missing within the football industry. Who is your hardest opponent, Ramon? Well, at the time... When you were playing, yeah. When I was a Cagliari FC at the time, well, that was Ronaldo the Brazilian. It was, yeah. uh, well, let me let me just say it that way. Uh, Serie A, week in, week out, you pay against the top strikers on the planet. It, it was like, you had not one weekend free. Let's <laughs> call <laughs> it like that. You really like every weekend. I mean, if you play Juventus into Milan, AC Milan, of course, the big AC Milan in those days, you know, the Baresi, Costa Culta, Maldini, Boban, Savicevic, uh, Roberto Baccio, Pepe Signori, you name it. Listen, these are the 90s heroes in those days. You played them week in, week out. And it was unbelievable, you know. Um, it's So from my point of view, I look at that, the Brazilian Ronaldo was without a doubt. The most difficult opponent ever played in my life. It's like speed, technique, 
very narrow between defenders, very difficult to defend. The minute you let him turn, you can call the taxi as a defender. That's it, mate. You're done. You're absolutely done. Uh, it's, it's, for me, still today, one of the best players on the planet. No doubt. You know. Dean, who is your uh, toughest opponent in the Premier League? David Ginola. David Ginola, when he was at Newcastle. Yeah. I remember playing a game at White Hart Lane. And honestly, you know, he played he played as a 10 in the first half. In the second half, they switched him out to the left and he had a period for probably about 55 minutes to about 75 minutes. He tore me a new arsehole, mate. It was <laughs> unbelievable. It was just... It was... Um, it was just butchery, mate. He had everything. He could go either way. He could run. He had power. But what he used to do, he, he was clever. He was really clever. So I was always, when I used to play against wingers, I would always be going, right, I want to get on the front foot and I want to take them the other way. So I want to get them working back the other way to get them as far away from our goal as possible. But but David wouldn't come with you. He, he wouldn't come with you. He was lazy. But, but he knew his quality. So while you're running up and down, trying to make him run with you and he ain't running, when the ball breaks down and they find him with the ball, you're then already done, half done, because you're now chasing back and you've already done your work. Mm. And he's fresh. He's fresh on the ball. I remember him taking me on once. I couldn't get out. He'd done me. It's about the third time he'd done me in about 10 minutes. I, I literally got hold of him round, round the waist. He was dragging me along like a trailer. <laughs> he, was that, he was that strong. He was that strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he was, I mean, he was uh, uh, the, the one of the best individual talents that I, I'd ever come up against. Um, Giggs was, was a difficult opponent, but I actually liked playing against him because he wasn't so much with tricks or with power. He had pace and I could run in them days. Before my injuries hit me, 94, late 94, 95, um, I could run. So playing against someone like him never really bothered me. Um, but still a top quality player. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was, uh, David, I would say, would be would be, would be be a player that I wouldn't particularly look forward to playing against. I, I remember um, one of the games, I remember one of the games, Dean, at, at White Lane. So I was going to say, I remember what, remember one of the games at White Hart Lane when David Janela played for Newcastle and he noticed that the camera was on him uh, yeah. on the Jumbotrons yeah. and he sort of pouted his lips and the crowd sort of uh, cheered yeah. as though, yeah. like, is it to say, what a show-off. But, of course, yeah. then he comes to Spurs and it all uh, it was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, but that's, you know, that's what Ramon's talking about. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the charismatic character who had, who had a total belief in his own ability. You know, it's it, like it wouldn't. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be affected. He wouldn't have been affected in that game today. No, when yeah. it was all going on, he would have. He would have gone get me on the. Give me the ball. I'll make something happen. I'll make something happen. Well, much. Yeah, he was like that. I have to say, He's, uh, he was. Uh, well, obviously, roommates as well with his facts, having a little cigarette. You know. <laughs> You know, Girola was a flamboyant player. There's not even a question mark. You know, that charisma, you have to invent such a player. 
like him. Um, and Tino is correct there. You know, he 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 was the lazy part of going backwards, forget it, forward all day long. And you knew just you just have to give the ball with him. He can actually do with the ball something, you know. Uh, but forget him to defend. So on the way games, I remember even with George Graham at the time. Uh, he said, "Well, mate, the way games, you just get the train, go back to London. It's better because because uh, we need somebody's defending, you know." Uh, that's the way George Graham was saying to him because he knew exactly what it is. But at the home games, David Juno was just like absolutely a beauty to watch as well because even as a player, you know, my and I played the Serie A before and watched quite a lot of two players. This guy was absolutely fantastic, you know. Carafisma always had uh, a joke in the dressing room. He, he just knew with confidence that Nothing happened to him, even having a cigarette before the game, you know, in the dressing room or halftime as well. Uh, and, and he didn't just kind of care because he knew exactly he was talented and he knew what he's doing. He had, he, had a, he had what I call a footballing arrogance, Chris. Not yeah. There's a difference between being arrogant and a footballing arrogance. He was a very, very lovely man. You know, he was a gr- great lad around the dressing room and... You could have a joke with him and a laugh and a joke and a very, very humble, humble guy. Yeah. When, he on, when he went on the field, he just had this he had this swagger. And he'd go, if you're good enough, you come I'm worth it. He was always saying, that, I'm worth it, you know, with his yeah. ears, you know, with L'Oreal, yeah. you know. <laughs> if you think you're good enough, you come after me. But you better be good because I'm not yeah. good. So it's a, it, but these these are the the characters in those days, and we, we we're missing them a little bit. To be honest, you, uh, we do miss them. Uh, I think, uh, but again, it's it's this society we're living into it. This kind of be the kind of sterile good boy scenario. Uh, the bad boy doesn't exist in a in a bracket. I mean, talking good bad boy, you know, really kind of on the pitch, you know. Um, that's missing, to be honest, you. And I think coaches, managers, where are now used to be players in the nineties. They got used to that. They they have a very difficult task now to manage these young players. Uh, I think the manager today or coaches today, not just from a tactical awareness teaching them, but I think they need to psychologically side and motivation side point of view. I think is a two typical most most topics to be discussed with in the generation of today. I think because that's the difficult part from the manager's point of view, the most difficult one. Well, Dean and Ramon, there's been so much love for you, um, you know, in the comments for um, your stories tonight. Um, Ricky, just before we go, did you want to ask Dean or Ramon anything else? Do you know what, bro? It's just been it's just been so lovely to just sit here and listen to the stories and the and the experience and 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 the knowledge from from the both of you, man. Um, yeah. And just to let you know as well, like Ginola was my favourite player so much so that when I had an opportunity to give my little sister in '99 when he won the, all the player awards and the writers awards, when when my mum asked me if <clears throat> what was my kind of suggestion for my sister's middle name, it was Ginola. So like it's on a certificate, it's on a birth certificate. Her name is Karina Ginola Norwood. So um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just been fascinating to listen to you guys, man. And 
And you know what? Nothing to say, nothing to ask. But at the same time, it's it's this type of stories and 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 this type of conversation that has brought all Tottenham fans a big smile on their face. So um, let's go at it again. Let's get the let's get the boys cleansed. Let's get some sage. Let's get some prayers going. Let's get the the the, the Catholic smoky ball going. Like. Let's get some Zen happening. Let's get some yoga happening. Let's get something that brings them boys together. And let's get the crowd behind them against Man City on the weekend. And uh, let's turn this ship around, man. Let's turn it around. Because after tonight's conversation and just kind of listening to the stories, I've I, I got a bit more faith. It's, it's, it's giving, me, giving me my pep back, uh, you know, not to use the old pun. Uh, but yeah, it's given me a bit of an excitement back for, for for these boys to turn it around. So so thank you both of you, Dino and Ramon. It's been a great evening. Ricky, um, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and what you're up to at the moment. You can find me uh, on Twitter, Ricky J Norwood, um, on there, and on Instagram, it's official Ricky Norwood. And uh, at the moment, bro, I am auditioning like a like a like a crazy man. Um, couple of good things but let's see you never know you never know still in the rounds so you never know and um yeah just 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 in the process of getting my driving license so hopefully that goes well as well so i'll let you know as soon as there's some big news i will let you know but again an honor and a pleasure to be on tonight especially with the boys uh it's been awesome well dean thanks so much for coming on this evening and so you can see the picture of Ramon on the catwalk. Paddy has put it on Twitter, so uh, do check that out. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you know. Oh, what can I say, you know. That's social media for you, mate, you know, isn't it? Uh? <laughs> well, it has its good parts, doesn't it, Ramon? Uh, say again? <laughs> it has its good parts, seeing you on oh, the catwalk. Listen, I, listen, it was a great experience, you know. It was the Milan catwalk, you know, all the big... All those were down there, and uh, there was Ramon, you know, walking down with all of these big, tall girls, you know, Naomi Campbell and all these girls, you know. And coming back to the dressing room at Spurs, it was just hilarious, the banter, Chris. It was hilarious. I remember the picture in my, in the dressing room in my, where we pretty much more changing room kind of place there. It was front there. It was at the entrance. It was in the physio door. It was everywhere. All the players taking absolutely to Mickey. I'm telling you that now, mate. Uh, it, it, it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I was, you know, things like that is needed as well, but in uh, the same time, it's great memories. Absolutely memory. good memories, mate. <laughs> Ramon, where can people no, find you on social no, media? My wife is laughing now. Bloody hell. <laughs> In the yeah, background, she's yeah, laughing. Yeah, tell them I do a current pattern. <laughs> <laughs> Ramon, what, what are you up to at the moment? Is it more is it more modeling? No, no, no. It's finished. Done modeling, mate. I tell you that, mate. I'm done, mate. Well, let me plant this stuff, you know. Modeling with the brains more. <laughs> Well, I'm modeling with the brains, you're saying already. Goodness <laughs> me. Oh, my gosh, you know. No, we're, we are working very much. Um, I'm having a few clubs in Europe on rising on the overall structure um, in terms of the whole academy investment side. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> 
got a fucking dress on, fella. What are you doing? Oh, no, this is bringing back. This is premium dress code. British artist designer. Top, top. Crazy Gemini like you. That's freaking Tarzan. Chrissy, put it up, mate. Can you put it up somewhere? Yeah, I'll get it on Twitter tonight. Don't worry about that. But Ramon, thank, thanks so much for joining me. And um, and Dean, what are you up to at the moment? Are you doing any modelling? <laughs> no, that's not my bag, mate. I've not got Ramon's stature and good looks for that, mate. <laughs> oh gosh. Dean, are you looking? Are you looking forward to, uh, or are you going to be going back into football management at some point in your career? No, I don't think so, mate. Obviously, I'm. Um... I'm doing the technical director's course with the FA at the moment, so that's that's a I go back again on Tuesday for another couple of days, which has been br been brilliant. I'm still I'm still director of football at St Albans. We've got a lot of great things going on there. I've still got my my kids academy with over 120 kids between sort of seven and 16. Um, so I, I you know I'm, I'm I enjoy what I do, and um, I'll keep. Keep on chugging along, mate. You never know what happens in the future. The future, but I'm, I'm very happy with the stuff I'm doing at the minute. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dean. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I can't believe we've been talking for two hours thirty-seven minutes. So it's been an incredible time talking to you guys, um, Ricky, Dean, and Ramon. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody who's uh, given us comments uh, this evening. Let's hope that Tottenham can get back to winning ways at the Etihad Stadium on Saturday against Manchester City. Uh, until then, I will see you tomorrow for a Tottenham News video. And until then, come on, you Spurs. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.